Welcome, listener, to the return slot of homoerotic thrillers. No, oh, looking good. Thank you. I, I got a, I got my leathers on tonight. Um, <laughs> a podcast recorded in the basement of our video store. After hours when the doors are locked, the VHSs are rewound, and the moon is glowing pale blue on a brisk and breezy night. We'd like to hang out in the basement, light a scented candle, crack open a drink, and discuss our beloved genre horror. Every episode, we invite you to join us for a frosty libation as we discuss a film selected from one of our painstakingly curated subsections of the video store. That's right. For the uninitiated or anyone unlucky enough to have grown up without an independent video store. Uh, uh, Mickey, can you elaborate on this? Of course. Thank you for asking. Back in the day before there was streaming, and even before Blockbuster, there were these independent video stores. And to appease the appetites of movie nerds like myself and Michelangelo, they would fill their shelves with anything they could possibly get their hands on. My personal favorite were those video nasties. These mom and pop shops were responsible for taking the horror genre from limited theater runs and late night drive-ins to every rural suburb east west village in america but (laughs) what really made these video stores special were the people working in the store curating personalized sections based on their interests and the interests of their patrons recommendations based on conversations not fucking algorithms so here at the return slot we keep that spirit alive and strong we hope you enjoy perusing our sections or cruising our sections and joining in our conversations. <laughs> this week, we find ourselves in the true bromance section of the video store. Also, <laughs> more popular amongst the employees of the store, the bromancing the bone section. Bromancing the, the bone. Store. Uh, now, before we jump into things, I am going to warn the listener this is a hangout and drink and talk with friends podcast. Um, uh, it's really about us and how we see ourselves uh, reflected in these horror films, uh, what they say about our lives, our relationships, and um, how we can better understand ourselves through these films. Um, so if you're not into that, I don't know if you're going to... And, and tonight especially... Ooh, man, tonight's going to be a, yeah. a... Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to do my best tonight to not go off the deep end too much. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, but okay. I will say, uh, tonight is uh 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 I don't know if you hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna let the boys see me in full yeah, regalia yeah. Please, here. Please, uh, please, please describe what you see. All right, well, you're pantsless, you're absolutely <laughs> pantsless, and you have on a leather jacket and a nice dark gray deep V. Uh looking very uh, boots too. And and you also have you you're (laughs) so strikingly like you you you, for those who don't know Mm -hmm. our listeners, Michelangelo looks like a young Al Pacino. Oh, thank you. Meh. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Chris. Mickey, keep talking. He look he looks like a mixture of 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 like Sly when when Sly Stallone when he was in his best shape and young Al Pacino. Oh, you've wow. got, you, Jesus. You, you, you've got Mickey's the sensitivity. Shut up, the sensitivity we haven't introduced you yet, sir. <laughs> I don't care. I will interrupt <laughs> this poor <laughs> shit. <laughs> the sensitive well, eyes you. of an Al Pacino, but the nice, n- nice solid chin and, and nice shoulders of like, you know, of we'll say a Rocky three uh, uh, sliced along. Oh wow! This is this is oh my gosh! I'm this is the best episode we've ever done. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, tonight is leather and boxer briefs night. Uh, I, I invite you guys 
to put on a leather coat. I, I brought you guys leather coats. Uh, they're not Wonderful. very cool looking, but the, you know the, that's what you get secondhand. And then you got so we got some boots. Take off the pants. We'll do the boots. Um, uh, uh, and also, I mean, I I have our Halloween group costume for next year. This movie, yeah. this movie, scenes from this movie <laughs> for sure. Uh, which we'll get to that in just a moment. But tonight we are joined by dentist enthusiast Chris. Mm-hmm. Chris, yes. thank you for joining us, joining us again this night. And and it, please, can you explain to maybe Mickey and the listener and like myself, we we started a little late tonight because uh, <laughs> you you just you just you just had to ha- like have this wonderful experience today with the dentist. I well, uh, so I was out of town and I flew in about a day and a half ago out of the country. And the man out was country. out of the country. And when I was flying back, thankfully, I started to feel this when I was coming back into the country. But whenever I was flying into the country, I started getting, man, I'm getting some horrible shooting pains in my jaw. And so I got an emergency dentist appointment this morning. And they're like, oh, you need to go see uh, an endontist, an, an, an dentist, whatever. And uh, so I saw it this afternoon. And he's like, oh, we're going to dig into that tooth and we're going to give you old root canal. So oh, fresh off canal. root canal. Fresh That's how precious is for you all i'm fresh off it. i can barely feel half of my face <laughs> did they give you any pain sound weird? oh yeah <laughs> okay Come on, that's, gonna go, that's, gonna, that's gonna go good this that's is gonna great. go good with the cocktail this um, is great so <laughs> thank you i mean what a trooper chris thank you uh um um for you know joining us in the basement despite um you know, traveling, you world traveling, country traveling. You're all over the place. You at the dentist, and you make the time to be in the basement. To, to yeah, I mean, so thank you. I had to be here to partake in our shared history. And oh, yes. boy. We'll, we'll get to that. I'm we'll get to it. that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Don't wait. Hey, hey, that's my job. Saying the name of the film. Sure. <laughs> now, last time I said, I don't know if I can say this, yet, you're like, they're gonna know. Like, I'm well, a yeah, big they're gonna dummy. know. It's, I'm, I'm and now, if I say it, you're gonna yell at me. I can't yeah, fucking you can't win with you. it. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> you were interrupting Mickey when he was saying some really nice things about me that were very, very truthful. Like, I, right, I will humble you. Um, you look like modern day Al Pacino uh, doing Dunkin' Donuts commercials <laughs> and Sylvester Stallone uh, talking about donkeys or whatever he does anymore on Instagram. <laughs> that's that's schwarzenegger is with the donkey ah, shit, you're right yeah you're yeah, yeah mixed up. up um so before we get to the film tonight i gotta ask boys what are we what are we having down in the dungeon tonight that's what we're calling the basement this evening dungeon? <laughs> um chris did you prepare a spooky cocktail mixed uh, with some sort of uh hydrocodone or something yes, uh, you, you take you go see your uh your local, local dentist, dentist and get his painkillers and then uh well i'm not currently sipping on a cocktail however i did plan one and so I will review my little, little cocktail that I have to call, of course, uh, um, a giant black man in a cowboy hat and a jock strap. That, of course, is the name. That's the name of it? That's the name. <laughs> you go into your local bar and you say, excuse me, sir, I'd like a black <laughs> man in a cowboy hat and a jock strap. And you see what happens. <laughs> We're gonna have to cut all of this. <laughs> oh my God, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. Just continue, Chris. Continue. And uh, it's a little play on actually a popular cocktail from the 70s called the Golden Cocktail, uh, Golden Cadillac. 
It's a do, you need a. do you need a yellow handkerchief in your uh, right front pocket for this? Uh, yeah, but you can't be into just watching or else you're going to get. <laughs> you have yeah, to yeah, drink yeah. it. You want to drink it. You can't yeah, want to yeah. watch the yeah, yeah. drink it. Okay, gotcha. Uh, it's an ounce of a uh, Dutch cacao white uh, creme de cacao. That's a, a chocolate liqueur. Uh, a half ounce of Galliano, a popular liqueur from the 70s. A half ounce of orange juice an ounce of vodka, and an ounce of heavy cream. Incorporate, serve on ice. That sounds delicious. I sounds wish like I it's going to punch you right in the like. face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it sounds like a, like a hefty slap to me. A hefty slap to the <laughs> mouth, yeah. <laughs> slap that might as well be a punch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like his, his slap is like the hardest punch of, that I could ever throw. Yeah. Not even, probably. No, um, uh, uh, Mickey, what are you, what are you having? What's so going to loosen went, you up and get you ready for this evening? I actually went really local. I mean, for me, it's like, I thought if I'm going to, you know, get a drink for this one, I'm going to go to a place that's, that's local somewhere I would go and hang out for a night. So I went down to my local brewery inner groove and I grabbed the bright eyes, their hazy IPA made Ooh. with mosaic and <laughs> eclipse hops. Um, and it's in a little town called Verona. I always like to say my fair Verona. Mm. Um, and so that's what I'm, that's what I'm taking down tonight. Nice. Very nice. Um, I am having also, I went local. I went down to the pawn shop and bought some anal nitrate and I'm just going to okay. be huffing on that a little bit. Right. It's anal nitrate, right? Is that uh, like poppers? Is that yeah. what it's called? Anal nitrate? Uh, amyl, right? Amyl. Yeah. I think you said anal nitrate. Yeah. I said anal for sure. <laughs> okay. That's you know get to the point. That's what you're using yeah. it for. I mean, yeah, I, I it get, loosens I get up where your butthole. So yes. what I said was bad, but this is all cool. This is all, all fine. I'm just <laughs> I'm just talking about opening up your butthole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so on top of that, on top of huffing a little bit of that, I also went to my local uh, uh, brewery, um, uh, single cut uh, for a frequency lager because I don't want to get too drunk tonight i want to feel everything i'm <laughs> 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 just gonna go uh, the deep in quick yep uh before uh we get to the movie um i do want to say uh coming soon um if this this is this is going to be a movie you're going to want uh, uh images to a podcast mm-hmm. where we can have images to it you really want to see what we're talking about and if that happens right you you really want that you can go to our YouTube channel which is coming in early March Mickey can you uh can you explain what's happening there to some uh, to uh, uh our listeners yeah. who might want a visual aid with what we're doing yeah, I, I also agree. There's so many great visual cues for this that it's going to require some actual, like, <laughs> you want to see stills from this film. Uh, we partnered with this great company, Red Tower Entertainment. Uh, they have a, they're a spooky, fun YouTube channel showing original short horror films, uh, many of which came through the Red Tower Spectacular Festival. Uh, so we're partnering with them, and we're going to have a YouTube channel where you're going to see past episodes that we've done with a mixture of visuals. There'll be some animation and... Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, and uh, um, at some point, I can't say when, we will have a exclusive YouTube episode that you can only listen to on on YouTube for a, a, a limited time. Ooh, yeah. Um, so 
Okay. Guys, I got to ask you, what do you do when you're coming off of a huge financial and critical failure and malaria? Why? You make a film no one wants. A film that alienated everyone involved, including (laughs) its audience. Tonight, we are talking about William Freakin's 1980 murder mystery slasher, Cruising, starring the great Al Pacino. Um, So pull up your bootstraps and grease up your arms, because we're really going to dig into this tonight. I... Okay. You, you so, really tickled yourself on that one, didn't you? I did tickle myself. <laughs> I'm going to be tickling myself a lot tonight. You've been you tickling yourself a lot this yeah. past week. Um, I think that you're just overjoyed the fact that this is actually happening, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. On a separate note, it. that on a separate note, completely uh, not connected to what we're talking about right now. I hate to to get off track, but I've been having really rough sex with my partner, Allie, uh, f- and I don't know why. I just like really just going at it. Um, uh, in between sessions of uh, doing research for the film, uh, so you know, was that supposed to go somewhere? <laughs> that's not, that's, no, no that's, I think it's the truth. I think it's the truth. That's, I think that's, I think that you yeah. may. This may be a film that you. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. So obviously, that tracks, why cruising? That tracks for you. Why cruising in our history with the film? I picked cruising, obviously. Um. I'm just oddly um, fascinated and obsessed with this film. I, in 2006, I bought the book. I got it here. Oh, here it comes. Al Pacino um, in <laughs> Conversations title. with with Lawrence Gorbel. And it's a compilation of uh, the journalist Lawrence Gorbel's uh, uh, interviews with Al Pacino. And uh, as a, young man obsessed with Al Pacino and wanting to know everything about him. I, or I devoured this book and uh, th- while reading this book, I learned there were all these films that I had never seen of his, that I, I thought I had seen all of his early stuff. And in it during the first interview, he's ge- he's giving an interview for the first time uh, ever really. Um, and at this point he's like a gigantic movie star. He had done dog day and Serpico and the Godfathers and all that stuff. Um, and during these these interviews, he's doing this film called Cruising. And it's got all this controversy behind it. And I was like, what is this movie? So eventually I I think I, I think I watched it. Did I watch it for the first time with you, Chris? Yeah. We, we watched, watched it, it together. together. Mm-hmm. We watched it. So <laughs> I, I I get my hands on cruising. I'm like this obscure because at the time, and this must have been, I don't know, two thousand nine Eight, yeah 2009 probably somewhere in there um, yeah we're hanging out um and uh we're becoming friends and uh i get my hands on cruising and i'm so excited to watch it and i'm like of course i want to watch it with my buddy uh we used to do these like epic movie nights and i i was just this is this is a this is uh uh it, it, a interesting weird film that doesn't quite work but like has like everything going for it and and but like it's just too much and we're gonna get in we're gonna get into like all of these mixed emotions that i'm talking about uh but i was blown away 
by it. Uh, I'm very fascinated by it. It's a movie that I'm like, if you're a good friend of mine, I make you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> how many times how many times have you seen it would you say um so here's the thing because i because ultimately and we're gonna get into this later because ultimately i don't think it's a it's like it kind of fails as like a like a good film mm-hmm. but it has all of these elements that i'll talk about later about why i love it um, sure. i've only seen it maybe five or six times okay so I haven't I was, watched I it, like some of some of the other films we talk about on the podcast. I've seen like dozens of times, you sure, know, sure. Um, and I will say to the listener, uh, if you haven't listened to our Nightmare on Nightmare on Elm Street 2 episode and our American Psycho episode, I would go back and maybe listen to those because I, I kind of feel like there's a there's like a through line that we're, we're going through. Cause this, this is our, this is our second Valentine's day episode that goes along with the American psycho. And it's, 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 it's just a, like we'll, we'll get into it anyways. I'm, I remember watching the film with you, Chris and, mm-hmm. and, and having a weird revelation at the time that I, <laughs> I was like, is we're sitting there, we're watching it. And we're like, I don't know. We're, we're like 30, 40 minutes into the movie. And I'm like, Hey man, I dress like these guys, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, no, no, not not the not the S and M angle, but like the the Levi's, the the t shirts, the leather jacket, mm-hmm. not the leather cap, the boots, uh, all, all of which I I've, I've taken off now. Um, but I own and I like, uh, like I, I I I and I was just talking. I showed Allie my outfit earlier today, and she was like, she likes it. You know what I mean? And I'm like. This is this is it's just weird paradox I have that like a lot of the things that I consumed when I was younger I thought were like oh this is what women want as a as a heterosexual young man I was like this is what women are attracted to Danny Zuko women are attracted to big muscles women are attracted to these things and then as I grew older I discovered oh these are mostly things that other men either are gay or straight are attracted to it's it's you you spend all this time or uh, for myself i'm speaking for myself of course you spend all this time trying to embody this look uh trying to uh 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 uh, execute this look and you discover it's like oh i'm only getting attention from other men not really from women and 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 I was trying to discuss this with my partner Allie, and she was like, "You look, you look good in just the boxers and the boots and the leather jacket, but like that's not a look I would seek out. But on you, it works for me, which is I think why we're a good fit. Anyways, sure. um, this is going to be I, I'm going to ramble. Please stop me if I'm rambling too much. Um, I got stuff to work out. I think freaking got stuff to work out, and I think Pacino had stuff to work out, and I don't think they worked it out. I think no. that's the failing of this movie, and we're going to talk more about that. So that's that's sort of my experience. I've watched it, and and you know we're the return slot of horror. So is this a horror movie? This no. this is like on no. the fringes of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a slasher. You could argue it's got sl- it's it's got the slasher element to it. There's a, a killer with a knife stabbing. So does that mean that like? Every like hour show on CBS. Yes, is yes, yes. Film, Law and I mean. Order. Law and yeah, Order Law and is Order. a horror series. Is a horror <laughs> anthology. 
Hey, this is a Valentine's Day episode, and you love me, and that's why we're doing cruising, which isn't technically all. It's it's definitely a murder mystery thriller, so it's like horror yeah. adjacent cop procedural. Horror. Yeah. Uh huh. Not yeah, even... cop procedural for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the procedure's pretty bad. <laughs> um, so I- I'm gonna go to Chris now because Chris is gonna piggyback sure. off of a lot of what I said. So, Chris, what is your your experience with with uh, cruising, and how many times have you watched it as a result? Yeah. Have you only watched it when I made you watch it? <laughs> well, it, actually, yes. This is my second viewing of the film. <laughs> The first being that that first time with you, and now this. <laughs> uh, what, and what, was, what were your first impressions? And um, uh, yeah. Well, so I mean, you've obviously you know told pretty much the story of it. Uh, I think that's funny because I mean, at that point in time, like I had seen all the, of course, major Pacino films, but I hadn't seen, I would say, his. I don't know what you call it. His uh, secondary third like bobby deerfield cruising revolution and you were a big part of that like because i mean at this time we were watching a lot of like because we watched this we watched uh was it chinese coffee what was the chinese i i had bought a box set as well around this time that was like at the local stigmatic uh chinese coffee looking for richard and uh like a documentary-esque type thing called babylonia where he's just talking about acting on the stoop of the actor's studio um yeah so I but was, so like uh, we we were watching all these pacino films and then we watched this and i was just i think just mystified a bit by it because it's yeah uh i guess we'll uh, i i like to think that this is a bit of the catchphrase of the podcast but we'll get more into it later but yeah it's kind of <laughs> it's get kind of it a now. film well this is like it's a film that has i mean it's almost like you could you could say that they're trying to be somewhat progressive, what they're hitting on, but they're regressive. <laughs> they're like, so I, I don't think that's the intention though, is to be, you know, uh, dogmatic towards gay culture or anything very odd by it. But at the same time though, I think they're just so aloof in what they're doing that it comes off very small minded. And I, especially on the second watching, I guess I kind of forgot a bit about, it, but it's almost like, I don't feel like anyone in this film has human emotions. Everyone feels like they're just a weird one note. (laughs) Like even like, I don't feel like anyone has any depth to them, which is odd considering what we're doing in the film. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's all very, I don't know. It's such a weird experience. (laughs) I don't know what to yeah. make of it, really. It is a weird. It, I would agree with you there that it's a, it's a weird experience. I don't know if I necessarily agree with with the depth thing, but I think some of the things we'll get into uh, no, will sort of like un, unveil that. But like, I totally would not argue that if someone feels that when watching this. I uh, also too. It's it's you know like sometimes like you see something and you're like. Oh, I think that's what they were referencing. This was a film that I was like, oh, that's what the Blue Oyster bar joke in Police Academy is referencing. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got yeah. it. <laughs> so anyway, there we go. That was my experience. I mean, like, I think since then, though, it's one of those things that's even though this is only the second time I've viewed it, 
it's a film that its legacy lives on in the jokes and in the uh uh the the cultural references that have been made to it uh for instance if you've ever seen like the skit like sctv did with dave thomas of like you know the, yes, the yes. Uh, cruising <laughs> explain it have you seen show. this mickey i don't think i have so SCTV, the old skit show yeah. from uh, Canada from the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, Dave Thomas, uh, he does it. It's a bit like it's a cooking show, like, you know, any sort of network cooking show, but it's uh, like cruising. And so he's dressed up with, like a black wig. It's like he's smoking a cigarette. He's wearing a leather vest. And like it's like him like stuffing a chicken or a turkey and it's on like a chain right. that then spreads it open. He's greased up his hand, like yeah, stuff yeah. it and stuff like Definitely. that. Definitely we it's should have images really of this job. on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. We'll get with some yeah. <laughs> it's a great skit, but then also too, then it's wild to see it now and to like, you know, to think that that was uh something that could easily be joked about and referenced in a in a <laughs> much more of an open way like yeah. you know like in, in modern world you wouldn't have something like that you know what i mean like that wouldn't happen so it was great to see it but yeah that's been my kind of legacy with it and mickey is this your first time first time watching it actually had no wasn't even on my radar uh, other than your jokes about it and knowing kind of the <laughs> <laughs> and knowing the, the source like like understanding what the movie's about mm -hmm. and the jokes that you guys have about cruising i i had no relationship to this film at all and i forced myself to not read anything not look into anything and just watch the film first and uh look freakin is a master uh i like the camera play in this movie i like the look of this movie um, I kind of get a little lost on the ambiguity of, uh, of who the killer is, whether it matters. I don't know. Um, this is one that will require more watches for me to, to, I think, have a solidified opinion, but I got, but you know, I got feels, you know, I, I, you know, I agree to a lot of what both of you are saying there. It works like the sum of all parts don't really work, but mm, yes. parts of it totally work. And I like seeing Pacino at this level. There's something really nice about, I think that, you know, over the last decade or so, or last 20 years, there's been a different kind of Pacino we're exposed to. And I like this quieter, softer, introspective, you know, Pacino. I, you know, you said you saw people without like emotions or, or that weren't really playing one note. I felt, I felt Pacino did a lot with very little. Like, I mean, like he could just be in stillness and you're feeling like this person's, struggling and maybe it's the struggles i'm like in putting on him you know similar to michelangelo because i think that you know pacino is one of those guys that if you're of a certain age and you're really into acting and you went to you know any kind of acting schools or film schools you know you got your pacino and your de niro and just there's certain actors i mean i'll, I'll even say guys like i consider ed norton somewhere in that category of just guys that i really looked up to and and I almost feel like I give them a pass. If if he doesn't say anything in a scene and just looks, I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. That look was brilliant, you know? Mm -hmm. But it could just be he was like not even paying attention. They just caught him on camera, you know, in between takes. But so so for that part of it, I, I actually thought the performances were fantastic all around the board. And again, Friedkin's camera is a great is a great way to watch a film. It it is visually stunning, the film. I think you I don't think you can argue that like the film doesn't look good. Like the shots, the composition yeah. of the shots, the, the it, it looks amazing. It looks it, like it's mm -hmm. it's if you're a fan of like grimy 
seventies New yep. York cinema. I think this mm-hmm. this is this is something you might enjoy, Chris. You're you're making oh no no face. What's no, what's going on there? I, I'm not like I'm not in. I'm not completely disagreeing with you. I guess I feel like seventies New York is like something that's incredibly easily captured at the time. And so because of that fact, it doesn't feel very unique or special to me. You know what I mean? Mm, Like, I feel like it's something that's like, it's like, it's yeah, you're capturing it well, but it's also like, it's easy. It's a, it's a softer level than Mm. something, you know, going to having the backdrop be something more unique or interesting. I mean, there's so much, I think, film tv that always caught that mm-hmm. grimy's new york look to varying levels of success but so much so that it just doesn't lend it really anything to me mm-hmm. oh, i thought this was like that's that's one of the stronger aspects and 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 like as confused as this movie gets it's never like they they whatever it was that they were trying to capture they 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 visually capture it in a stunning manner um uh, like, like the shot where uh, Pacino and, um, uh, you know, Steve Barnes and um, who is his name? Skip. Yeah, Skip, yeah. the guy who gets slapped <laughs> by mm-hmm. the big police officer um, when they're walking to the room. It's, it's that it's that shot where it's like in the foreground, you see the meat hooks and in the in the background, they're walking in the building and it has this like red, red stripe that's split. Mm-hmm. where they're walking with the brick it's it just like it's it just visually stunning and like i yeah. uh, i always appreciate that that look i never take it for granted because there's yeah. only there's only to me i kind of feel like it, there's only there's a finite amount of it you know yeah. what i mean which is oh yeah why it's, it's, it's go ahead oh, i was just gonna say it's intentional rather than just like yeah we're doing like i, I guess where where what was one of the things i was going to mention just as far as the visual like the cinematic language they, they, he does. He only does it like a two or three times in the film, but he does, you know, a, a parfocal lens uh, zoom in where he like zooms in, and you're not losing the focus of your of your mm-hmm. central character. But it kind of has a thing where it cues with music, and you feel like it kind of goes there. But it kind of takes a little bit of time to get onto it. It's a pretty traditional shot used in the '70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, going into the '80s, kind of got dumped, you know, as we got into more of like the Spielberg thing. But uh, but it's 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 for some reason when Freakin does it, it's effective. It makes sense, and it's completely logical. Versus it just being like, well, here we're going to zoom in on the character because, you know, so I just think that's really, that's really important. And it's Hold one of on the last. One. It's like 1979. This is shot. Um, uh, I think it's hilarious that uh, if you're familiar with the are you familiar with the Waldens television show? Uh, you know, I, I know the name. I've never seen it. So not really. So the Waldens was like a wholesome American yeah. family television show that was like hugely successful and kind of mm-hmm. like if you've ever read uh, uh, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, how the uh, – uh, fuck, I can't remember the name of the title now. But um, it's it's about how uh, when the studios were failing, uh, like Easy Rider e- – mm-hmm. Easy Rider and yeah. – What's it called? Oh, Easy Writers and I know I've read that book. Um, Raging shit, Bulls: How the yeah, Sex yeah, Drugs, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Rock and Roll Generation Saved Hollywood. That's the name of it. Um, yeah. Anyways, the Monkees basically were so successful, and they're sort of responsible for that generation of filmmakers of the Scorseses and all that stuff that happened. So it's funny to me that the the Waltons television show made cruising possible. Um. Uh, you know, um, 
I just want to do a brief little <laughs> breakdown of like what goes into making this movie. So you have two two guys who come onto the scene, Freakin' and Pacino. They're hugely they have some huge successes, mm-hmm. and then they're having some failures. Freakin' is coming off the failure of uh, uh, two films. One was Sorcerer. And the other one was, um, which is awesome. A Peter Falk. Uh, it is awesome, but it was not appreciated in the time that it came out. In the Sorcerer is uh, awesome. Uh, and then a bank heist movie with Peter Falk uh, that didn't do well either. And mm. then Pacino, who is like untouchable at this time, does Bobby Deerfield. It's not very successful. He mm-hmm. does Richard the Third on the stage, and it's like no one likes it. Apparently, he has a little success with Injustice for All, and then then they're doing this movie together, the two of them. Um, and again, freaking's coming off of having malaria. Um, uh, did he, did he and, catch that from sorcerer from shooting sorcerer? Yeah. Yeah. It was when he really? was in, Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and he has a heart attack after he finishes yeah. cruising, yeah. which I is interesting. That. Or heard that. So this, this movie is a combination of things. If you were to read the book that this is based off of, it's going to be a very different book. It's not that book. It's a combination of the book. Uh, the Arthur Bear, Bear articles that he read about this mm-hmm. subculture in New York mm-hmm. uh, and under the undercover stories of um, uh, Randy Jurgensen, who plays Detective Lafrensky, the guy with the mustache mm-hmm. at the beginning when they find the arm. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he is the detective who went undercover as a, a like to, to these S&M bars to find out this killer. Right. There was there was there were there were these killings happening and they the police department was trying to wrap it up. You know what I mean? Uh, Like like in this film. So it's it's this hodgepodge of these different things coming together. And the movie ends up being very different than the screenplay, um, which I think leads to its 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 confusion and the. S&M culture part of it, right? It's supposed to be this exotic background to this murder mystery. Um, Freakin' and Pacino want to make Born on the Fourth of July together. That falls through, and then, you know, that stuff happens with Tom Cruise and Oliver Stone and all that stuff, which is fantastic for them. Um, and then this, while it's being made, there's a, it, you'll notice a lot of ADR in the film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much the whole film. <laughs> there were thousands of people screaming and protesting and throwing cans and like, like there was like 300 cops on, uh, like that got hired to like protect the cast and the crew while they were filming in the streets of New York. It was just all that ADRs because of all the protesting that was l- happening while they were making the film. So why was there protest exactly? So. Uh, the gay community felt like this was uh, representing them in a very negative life that people well, would yeah. assume uh, people yeah. would assume. Well, no. So this captures like a like a minute subculture of of like gay men's lives that like doesn't represent all gay men. And what they were worried about is that it was going to regress any progress that had been made. Right. That people are going to watch this and be like, see, I knew gay people were weird, you know, because this is a very homophobic time we're in. And they it's it's without it's that thing of. um, Without having seen the the, the movie and without having only knowing bits and pieces, you you qualify something as as uh, negative. 
Can right? I can I ask a question? Of course. About it. Um and and my little bit of knowledge of this, this is based on true like killings and murders that were happening yes. at yeah, in these clubs in the 70s in New York City. So it's pr- still Not pretty in f- the clubs, but like there was a connection. Yeah, there was a killer the that they could ne- never and, solved. Yeah. yeah. I watched the whole American Horror Story season about this, which yeah, is pretty season, good. Uh, season eleven. Is I think it, 11? it was eleven. NYC. Yeah, yeah, the eleventh season. Yes. Yeah, but uh, but so I I can imagine. I don't. I'm not trying to like. I'm I'm more asking than. But I'm assuming that also that too is like kind of fresh in people's minds, where it's like, you know, how they were portrayed by, well, how the police portrayed it, and how some news organizations portrayed those those killings they kind of portrayed the community as like bringing it on themselves so i wonder if there's a little bit of like don't add more fuel to this i don't know i think that's 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 absolutely part part of it and and chris what you were saying earlier about um the point of view of the film and it's adding to the regression of of like the acceptance of homosexuals within normal society right um I th- I think in his effort in Freakin's effort to present this without a point of view as just like this is this thing without a point of view I think is where you're getting that that like I, and then that's something I wanted to talk about is like how does how do, so it's like okay this is interesting the, these clubs exist this is interesting you're capturing it on like the the clubs. You're actually capturing the clubs on film. These are these are the he actually shot in some of two of the clubs that existed that were like this. And he's recreating the things that he saw in his research. How does that propel our story forward? How does that how does that what does it add to the film other than this is this is really interesting? You know what I mean? That's what that's that's where I'm at a loss. Of like, because there's so there's so much time spent on it, you know. I I think that it was it, and I'm again I opinions here. Please don't anybody if you know, of course, you know, freaking yeah. <laughs> this but, podcast but, is nothing but opinions. There's yeah, no I mean, facts. there's like no facts. This is not history. At all. But but I will say, look on Chris's similar. face, by the way, as I say these things is just. Uh, <laughs> but Mickey, please. Well, I was I was gonna say, you know, it's like I think at the time you, you're you're you've got a, a finger on a subculture that's not been, you know, exposed at all, or not maybe not very, it's not been exposed much to uh, mainstream uh, America. Yeah, so him going in there, it's like it, this is a it, it, you probably linger on it. You spend more time in it because you're like, you know, I really want people to understand. Like you almost you, you can't just like if you show a quick pan if you do a quick shot inside of it and say like yeah we're sta- is like a, is like an establishing like we're here then we go into a tight two person shot of them having a, a relationship or whatever then you kind of ignore what I think he was trying to do like you do in a documentary where you let people sit in that world for a little bit so that they make their own opinions about it and kind of just it becomes a wash right so like you get washed over by it so you're not so it's not necessarily him saying this is what no, this is what this is. Like you just, you know, what you're saying, Michelangelo, yeah. I'm not making opinions, but I do make an opinion if I don't let you sit in this for a little too long, because then I almost present it to you like, here's the quick, like, you know, Disney version of this. And then let's go to like interpersonal like conversations they're having about, you know, having sex with each other or something. But I do think there is something to that. And and I say that because it's similar to um, 
the uh, um, uh, oh my gosh, Nicole Kidman and, and Tom Cruise movie. Eyes wide far and away. Eyes. Oh, far, <laughs> far, yes, far and away. Um, you really got to establish what it's yeah. like to be an Irish immigrant. You know, you really have to sit in that yeah. Irish immigrant. Uh, no, uh, in in Eyes Wide Shut because I, I there were times like the first couple times I watched that film, I, I did not like it, and and this is where I think I will go with this film as well. The only reason I even spend time on Eyes Wide Shut because after a little bit, I was like, no, no, he's exposing you to a world that does exist with extremely wealthy people that they can live these lives. And rather than like, just like, here's a quick summation of it. Now let's move on because it makes you uncomfortable. He's like, no, I'm going to sit people in it for a while and let them really feel like you have to be in it, you know? And I think there's something to that, to this too, where it's like, he wants you to sit in this club with these people and really be face to face with it. Cause this is the truth of it. But he goes back. He goes back so many times. He goes back and, 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 you know, he comes from documentary films. I don't know if you guys knew this, but like his first documentary was like, like set a man, an innocent man free from jail. Mm -hmm. Um, It won a, uh, um, oh yeah, go ahead. I don't know the name of the word, but it's it's, it's interesting. Check out his, he has an audio book that I listen to. I recommend listening to it. The freaking connection by William freaking it's, I could listen to him talk for hours. The people versus Paul Crump. Chris, you 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 yeah. want to talk so bad? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I guess that I don't know. Like, I feel like honestly, I can't remember what the begin start of the question was that you had. You want to be in that club, Chris? Well, I want to be in the club. How does you want to be in that club? How does the how does it like like I I I I I like the documentary esque feel of being in these clubs is interesting, but we we cut back to it a lot. This I, I will say this movie is an hour forty one, and to me it feels like a two hour and forty five minute movie. It slogs for mm-hmm. me. Um, and how yeah. does how does going back and really really showing so much of what's happening in these clubs? How does it propel our story forward? What does it what is it what is it like I think there's a more efficient way to uh, I express what Burns, what Pacino is going through. Chris, I, I and I feel like, what's your opinion on that, Chris? Well, I guess just real quick, I I think that's one of my biggest problems with this is that if anything, it hinges upon being almost exploitive of like wanting to shock you or wanting to like try to like uh, show uh, a I think a subculture at a level that has no contextualization to it and thus feels voyeuristic. Yes. And with that, it doesn't do anything. And that's, I think for me as a viewer, like, I think that's a bit, bit of what I was talking about being regressive. That's almost my problem with it is that it doesn't give any of those people within that world humanity. They just seem like, like automatons that are built on nothing but pleasure, which is the classic, like, you know, uh, anti-gay LGBTQ, uh, you know, kind of rhetoric, right. Of like, you know, Mm -hmm. the AIDS crisis is their fault because Mm -hmm. they're just like animals that just want to have sex. You know what I mean? Like that type of thing. And that's where to me, then it becomes that like, you know, I get why there would be protest. I guess that was the thing going back to one of my earlier questions was, uh, and I did not do any research really into this at all. 
So why was there protest? Like, was the book as almost kind of, did it come across as homophobic as the end result of this film? Like, you know what I mean? Like, did like the source material, was it known to be like, you know, kind no. of that the, way? The source, the source, like I said, the source material in this are a, a complete opposites. The source material is like a, a murder mystery and it's like genteel bars on the Upper West Side. Gay so bars. I guess that's my question yeah. then, right? Like yeah. how, like, well, and why this, was there protest? Like, why was that known? Like, you would think that if anything, like, you know, a film of these kind of stars of caliber, you know, being involved within, you know, that's how it gets made thing. Right. Yeah. It comes off as all oh, of this is going to be, can be a positive thing. Like what was the known element? It's, that made it's, them it's like, this oh, extreme, it's this, ex it's, it's exploiting this extreme subculture and, uh, uh, the gay community, very rightly so, knowing that the straight community is going to think this is what gay people they had are. Their crystal ball, right? It's, it's in, in, right in the way ball. in the way okay. that, like, my mother hates The Godfather because for her, sure. she, all the dumb white people that she went to school with when she was a little girl, like, assumed that if you were Italian that you were in the mafia, mafia and she yeah. dealt with this sort of racism about being in the mafia and like, yeah, what do you got a, a machine gun in your violin case? That sort of thing. It's, it's uh -huh. this, but to a way more extreme point. And, and then, you know, we're, we're ramping up to like the AIDS crisis at this time as well. Yeah, 79. It was technically happening. It was starting and now just not recognized known to be a devil's advocate. And, and I, cause, and I, Al Pacino again, movie, Keanu Reeves, yeah, because I want to ever. talk about Devil's Advocate since we're on Pacino. That's actually a horror uh, film. It is actual horror <laughs> film. It's true. It actually is a horror we film. We should be talking about the Devil's Advocate. I want to talk about those lingering scenes with this redhead that he has in this thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love redheads. Uh, no. Um, Wink. There is. I. Just being a devil's advocate, don't yeah. know. I just want to. One, one second. I'm like... sorry. I'm sorry, Mickey. I'm, I'm I'm sorry to cut you off. I just I just wanted to add to something Chris said. No. It's going to take a second. Context. You said something about context, and it's like yes, context. This is what this movie is missing: is context yeah. and a character connected to the subculture that you can identify and understand with. Yes, I I agree with you there. But Mickey, please go on. I'm sorry. I, um, I just wanted to no, get no, that fine. out there. No, it's, it's it's fine. I I completely understand where you're coming from as far as like you know dumb middle america people who are never exposed to anybody not even middle america it's happening yeah. all over I, america i i understand but At this well, time I, I i use middle america as an example of like just not How exposed to this you. kind of yeah yeah um, Dude, you're talking to two middle, a middle american, american people, okay? i'm offended <laughs> the most americans most yeah! middle of americans <laughs> are you defending middle america listen don't you don't mess with middle america man that's the backbone of america buddy <laughs> this went this went real weird real quick um, it's bound to happen oh it's gonna but, go weirder but, but oh, i yeah. do but i do i do say this if you don't linger on it, and I do agree with you that, yes, having a character that you can empathize with that is from this culture that makes it, you know, more palatable. Sure, that's that's great. But if but the more time you spend, it takes away the tantalizing, the tantalizing sensational nature of it. So the more time you spend in it, it, it de it, it not desensitizes you. because That's the wrong word. I don't mean that. But it just gets you more comfortable in that space to be like, OK, I'm going to see this. This is normal this is okay because i mean again i'm we, never this, comfortable in this space this is this is this is a club if this is friedkin saying this is what he sees 
the people participating are from these clubs, like this is what you see in these clubs, then he's not presenting you with something that is exploitative or sensationalized. Even if it's exploitative to the film itself, he's not adding things to it to exploit, right? Does that make sense? That's my reading yeah. of it. Was that? Yes. I, I understand. Yeah. I don't necessarily I, I, agree, but I understand what you're saying. And the longer yes. I spend time there, the less sensational it becomes. And I, I'm more like, okay, this is a subculture. This is this is the this is the same way in which I would watch a film about a swingers club. It's like the longer I'm in the swingers club, the more it makes sense that this is just I mean, it's carnal in some ways where it's like this is about, you know, sexual, uh, you know, pleasure. And this is about, you know, kinks and things of that nature. And and I feel towards the as the movie progresses for me, it feels less sensational and more like, OK, this is just people and their kinks, you know, and I feel comfortable it's with it. I, it's you know I don't know I, I just think that that it had been not if you had if you not been able to swim in it long or you'd swim if you had swam in it a shorter amount of time it could still be sensational to me or feel like ooh you know oh man that's you know tantalizing you know fifteen minute shot but no it's like you spend half the movie in it you know I guess like I hear you that like I think if I may like so you're saying is like by being overly exposed to it it's almost like getting you the viewer used to it. But at the same time though, would you say that's true? Yeah. But, 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 but I'm careful how we phrase that. Cause I don't want to feel like, you know, like the big argument people make, it's like, if you're exposed to it, they'll become gay. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm saying, because no, I'm no, but, no, just like comfortable with viewing. Yeah. It. Just comfortable like with not, viewing yeah. it. Like, like it's not as sensational. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's like, I guess though that like, for me at least like, and it kind of touches back on the point that I was saying earlier. It's just like, it doesn't though, like, advance the story yeah or do it doesn't anything advance to, yeah. the story all it does is seemingly give you shots of it to almost either say look at what this you know poor mm -hmm. handsome man hetero man is doing for his like you know whatever to solve the crime yeah or it's just like making you it's kind of like rubbing you the viewer's nose in it a bit which you didn't, did you feel did you are, feel ever like when he's dancing like when al pacino's dancing in that scene did you I not laughed feel very hard the first time it's, I watched it? Because Pacino's dance is very yeah, funny. It's, I mean, it's it's I mean, it, out it's of context. That's a it's, whole really hilarious. Even it's in the context. It's up there. It's up there. It's almost Crispin Glover and like almost Crispin Glover level. Yeah. Yes, um, very. Yeah, but weirder. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm just from the shooting of the arms. But for a moment, do you not kind of want him just to give in and let go and just go for it? Did you never feel that? No, no because never. I don't. I that's not my read on him. A yeah, bit. yeah. I'm gonna go with I'm, I'm with Chris a little bit here. Um, really? Okay. Um, it's. I'm glad. Part of me is glad that he captured what was happening, and then, but then the other part of me, who's the moviegoer, who is the film watcher, is like. What does this have to do with what what the story is about this this killer this exotic background? I just think it's a little little repetitive. Do you not um, think it's a little like intentional metaphor? He, here's the problem. Okay, okay. Here's here's I think ooh, we'll get we'll get. I, I want to read you a quote. Okay. 
This is from, from the director's mouth, just, Mickey. Okay. So you're not allowed okay. your opinion because the director said something no, different. No, no, okay. no, 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 that's not what's happening. I'm, try, I'm trying to Mary get Mary Aaron said that in cruising. Mary Aaron said about God William Freakin's you cruising. fucking assholes. Context. Context. You're just talking about context. <laughs> but I think this gives you an idea no, of his, his point yeah. of view going sure. into this. Got it. My sudden success in Hollywood after years of failure had convinced me that I was the center of the universe. Many mm. were waiting for me to crash and I obliged them in spades. I had flown too close to the sun and my wings melted. My films became more obsessive, less audience friendly and would turn even darker in the future. They would continue to portray the American character as psychotic, fearful and dangerous. I think he's he's trying mm. to work something out. He's also trying to present he like freaking or he Pacino freaking freaking okay freaking this good. is this is freaking yeah yeah he's he's because this is where Pacino has failed and we'll talk mm -hmm. about how Pacino fails freaking in, in the background of this but Pacino has failed in that freaking takes all of these the the article the book the cop stories he puts them all together he's trying to present a non-objective point of view and by doing that. I think he ends up ultimately what Chris was saying, being regressive in a way, as opposed to progressive. Now, now people don't feel this way necessarily. Now it's 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 sort of being reevaluated as like uh, some people call it a masterpiece. I don't I, I wouldn't agree with Ooh. that. Um, but it's a confused it's a confused movie. It's a very sure. confusing oh, very, movie. And yeah, I, it, like so yeah, let's 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 get like, into the murders. Yeah. Can we get into the sure. murders? In the plot, for okay, sure. So I have many questions. Okay, so mm -hmm. I'm gonna break you down. There are three. Surprisingly enough, there's there's only three murders we see on screen. All right, this is where it's. You tell me if you can follow this. Okay. Okay. So the yep. first killing. All right. Yep. Uh, the the very handsome man at the club. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The victim. Yeah. I look he, just like him, listener. Yes. You do. You look a lot like. I don't him. look like him at all, but thank you. you. I look, appreciate. It. Yeah. I mean, your 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 quads look exactly like. I look at He's your quads just like and him. I see him. I we see, have a similar uh, booty. Arna we have a similar booty. Arnaldo Santana. So the the first victim is played by Arnaldo Santana, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the killer okay. is played by Larry Atlas. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So the second killing dubbed dubbed by. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't you okay. you're fucking it up. You're fucking I'm not it up. Fucking, what? Um, Am I not allowed um, to talk? Wow. No. <laughs> no, because I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Please hold go on, ahead. hold on. So the second killing. <laughs> I know. I'm ridiculous. I know I'm ridiculous. Okay, so the second the second killing. Can we get killing. through it? <laughs> Can we get through it? Let me get through this. So the second killing. The victim okay. is played by Larry Atlas, the killer uh -huh. from the first scene. And the yeah. killer is played by Richard Cox, who Correct. plays Stewart. The mm -hmm. guy. Right? The, that, that, yep. That we ultimately think yes, is think the killer, baby. Yeah. Right? So the third killing, right? The killer who walks into the peep show is played mm -hmm. by our first victim, mm -hmm. Arnaldo Santana. But Correct. inside the peep show, the killer is played by Richard Cox, mm -hmm. Stewart. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, on top of all of this, like Mickey was saying earlier, all the actors playing the killer in these scenes are dubbed by one actor, James Saturius, who's never physically seen on the screen. James Saturius also dubs Stewart's father in the scene in the park where Stewart is having the confrontation with his father. Oh, I and, didn't catch that. Yeah, and add to that, at the very end of the film, when, when Stewart's in the hospital, 
the last uh-huh. line he says, I never killed anyone, mm-hmm. that line only is also dubbed by James Saturius, who dubs all mm-hmm. of the killers in the film. Needlessly now, complicated. <laughs> yeah, you tell me. How well, does that make any sense? Well, whatsoever. Okay. I, 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 like, I, I, I get I, this. Okay, go ahead, Mickey. What do you, what do you got? I, I, I think, I think it's intentionally ambiguous because I think that you, like, I'm sure you have this in your notes that the the person he worked on with the Exorcist who told this story, of, Paul Burns. Paul yeah. Burns. No. Um, Steve Paul, Burns is. Um, it's Paul. Damn it! I have my paper here. It's, it's okay, but. Yeah, Paul, Paul Bastin is the radiologist in the NYU Medical Center mm-hmm. in The Exorcist, who is the trash bag killer, w- which is a part of the the pot that is being mixed into all mm-hmm. of this, right? So Stewart right. is sort of Paul Bastin, who is in The Exorcist. It's yes, crazy. I know. Like that's yeah. that yeah. that that uh, MRI scene that that that's uh, Linda Blair. Like that's an actual radiologist, and that's his nurse, and that guy turned out to be this killer who the cops got to uh, make confess, admit to. Yep. to admit to more murders than he thought he was. He, he says, um, I must have been, I don't remember. I must have been really high. He remembers killing definitely one person, uh, uh, but the police wanted to clear the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he confessed and was released. I don't know if he's still alive, but he was released in 2004. Yeah. Very, uh, very common thing in the seventies was yeah. for the police to just get a killer and have him confess to everything that was un- uh, unsolved at the and- time. And sometimes when people tell you things like that in your life and it just like baffles you or blows your mind, which I'm sure I, like, again, we're, I'm putting a lot of like assumptions on people that I do not know and have no like actual evidence. But I think that that was like a, one of those thought worms where you're sitting there and freaking's like, you know, he, he knows of one where the other five pinned on him where the other five actually him was it, you know, it's like, how does this happen? And in an artist's way of trying to explore that, he makes it super mm-hmm. ambiguous intentionally for the for us to be in the same position he was in and probably hearing that story where it's like, I can't make sense of it either, you know? Because I think that's kind of the story of, uh, same with American Horror Story, where it's like, people are being wrongfully accused, people are going to jail for murders they didn't commit because the the because first of all, they don't care enough about the subculture to do the amount of police work they need to do. And number two, it's like the police are just trying to pin it on somebody so they can get the media and everybody else off their ass. And I, I, agree I think that there, there's something there, yeah. The Thing. You love the, the movie thing. The Thing. I love The Thing. We all love The Thing. I love Imagine the thing. if John Carpenter mm-hmm. didn't work out. Like, you, you, you ask John Carpenter nowadays, do you have an answer to... Uh, uh, to the end, right? Do you have an answer? He's like, yes, I do. I clearly know, but I don't tell you. Right. The difference being freaking... You give him enough money, he'll tell you. But my my point is, my point is, and like take David Lynch, for example. My point is, David Lynch in his films, uh, uh, John Carpenter, you leave something ambiguous, but you have a point of view on something and you know what it is. I'm leaving you, the audience, to decide it. But the creator of it doesn't know. And that leaves us wanting. That leaves us confused. That leaves us like... Like I agree with you. It's for me, my experience. And I do agree with you. It's what I don't... It's the part of the movie that I'm like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work with me, right? But I get it. I get it. And I have to go back to him being like I would have been like, you know, he's, he's our art is about exploring yourself. And I do think the freaking is a true artist. 
And I think yes. what he, part of what he's exploring there is like, how do I create a film that 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 creates that feeling that I have where how can somebody know that one murder was his, but not know the other five were, but still admit to it and still. And I think that we, in his, a lot of assumptions here, I think in my way of watching it, what I take away is that the intentionality is that to put people in the place that he was in hearing the story for the first time. And that means that you do walk away being like, we don't know the answers. Is it, is it Burns? Did he actually end up being the killer? Is that what we're saying? Or is it, no, is it this one guy killed one and it was these other people doing it? Or maybe it's, they all look so similar. They can all be pinned on this together. Mm -hmm. So it's like the artist is saying, I'm going to intentionally make these actors play these different characters and really just make you see how confusing this situation is. I don't, I don't know. Cause I, he doesn't give us an answer, <laughs> but after subsequent, if I watch it more times, I will be able to solidify a better understanding of what, how I, I feel with it. You know. I don't think so, man. Don't think I don't so. know. Don't think if, so. You, <laughs> I think if you do some research and you give yourself context through research, yeah. you'll understand why decisions were made, but it still okay. doesn't make a, like a, a arc to a story that makes gotcha. sense for me, for me. Um, Challenge accepted. I want to add challenge accepted. Watching cruising once a week for the next year. Yes. Um. And I want to add to like who's the killer? Is it is it Burns? Is it Stewart? Like who is you know? Um. So that the next the last shot with Pacino quoting freaking. When you look at someone, do you really know who they are? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I am? Do I know? And who are you? That was his idea Jeez. in Pacino looking Second into the camera. After, right? It's Jeez. like I, 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 I can appreciate the sentiment, but again, when you just it's like all of these, it's too much, all of these things. You mm -hmm. you really need to have like a clear like like point of view and opinion on something. Um I think in like you can leave things ambiguous as long as you know what the answer is in a way. I mean, I like that. I mean, like, yeah. How often have you looked in the mirror and been like, who the fuck am I? Yeah. You know what I mean? How we present ourselves Everyone one way and, 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 and it like you're I'm one way with a group of friends and then I'm another way with my family and I'm another way at work. Like, I think we can all like. Identify, uh, like understand like that duality that we have in life how we, we portray different characters in different places and how those those things sometimes leak into one another and how and they just, affect us. And also, us. We're, we're different people based on different circumstances, right? Oh, of course. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like I'm not, I'm not, as part of my job, I'm not spending every night in an S&M club, you know? It's like, who would I be if I were put in that position? The lady doth protest too much. <laughs> if I can get to something, though, that, what we're touching base on is exactly a big part of the problem of the film, right? To be ambiguous, uh, to do a lot of those choices with the film, with the killer, is, you know, completely fine. I think that in and of itself works. But whenever you don't give any humanity to the subject matter... And then you give that level of ambiguousness, it almost leads it to like a bit of, again, that kind of exploitiveness of like, almost like, oh yeah, like these, these people that are part of this culture, they're just about fucking. And then if they get there fucking and killing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it almost makes it so that it seem like it's a pathway, like it's a part of the niche. And even if you take away, like, you know, like kind of even the subtext, 
you know, that's, uh, these are elements that are out there for like just the, the heteronormative S and M community as well. You know what I mean? Of those sorts of like ideological, it's a very like, I mean, how many nineties sex thrillers were based around there's an S and M community and there's a killer, not surprising. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. that type of thing. Yeah. Like, this is just like this, like easy playground to like, just, you know, toy around in and then walk mm-hmm. out of without doing anything. And that's almost well, one of my biggest annoyances. Yeah. There's nothing, there's no like, seemingly effort put into making it something rich and interesting, which you easily could have done. Right. Ted, the neighbor could have been a part of the community. You could have given him that kind of humanity, that, that kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, morality. Which, and you didn't. Well, that, that's kind of where American Horror Story NYC kind of does. It's not my favorite of the, of the anthology, but um, it does a pretty good job of like humanizing all the people that are within the the different cultures uh, and not just putting it as like one subculture either, but just like everybody has different kinks. Um, yeah. But, but I do agree with you there. They kind of, it's like one of those things where you take a collective um, anxiety of a nation and mm-hmm. you don't do anything to make people chill. You just kind of <laughs> ramp it up more. It's like, yes, they are killing in those communities. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. I, I do agree with that. That's a good, those are all valid points. But let me tell you what Mary Heron said. Uh, I mean, that means I win the podcast, right? <laughs> Thank you. You win, Chris. God win. Yeah. Me present context. You take your pants off. Take your pants off. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> Michelangelo um, said I had you to come down here. Speaking of women, Karen Allen. <laughs> Karen Allen. One He's of my fantastic. favorites. A, one of my all-time favorites. What a famous part. But yeah, not giving it anything really to do, but... <laughs> But poor Nancy. I love poor Nancy. her. So. Oh, Nancy. Nancy's place, by the way, is fucking oh, ridiculous. Great. Yeah. Oh, my so nice. God. Cool. That place is awesome. Um, And I, I like, man, like more of them would have been interesting because there's he's he's like he's obviously going through stuff. And he's um, oh, he's bringing something home. I think they tried mm-hmm. to add and like. So Randy Jurgensen is the cop who went undercover and quoting freaking here. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. He went undercover for months and it messed up his mind. I didn't ask for clarification. <laughs> it's like, well, like, I mean, I know, like I know. that's that's an important part of what's yeah, happening is, be, is, yeah. is Burns is going through something mm-hmm. and his anchor is Nancy. Right. And that's that. Like I made the joke about it earlier about having rough sex with Allie. It's like he's like he's being turned on. Maybe it's confusing. Yes, what does this sure, say not about maybe, him? Not maybe. That was a very clear. Yes. He's, yeah. He's being he's being I, affected by these things. And he, I, I yeah. don't think he understands is it titillating is it, i think he's both titillated and disgusted by some of the thing like like some of it's so extreme but like maybe i don't you know what i mean it's like I, it, 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 that's, uh, again, there's no there's no there's no sub like there's that's part of the problem those, it's all hinted yeah. at it's all touched yeah. on but it's not but fleshed it's not out. explored <laughs> it's not explored like how, but, how i would love to have seen like an actual conversation a fight between yeah, him and nancy I, yeah. but but, but i know? will say i will say that without exposition there was no question in my my multiple decade living life i had no question that he is turned on that's why he's coming home and giving some hard rough like sex to his wife it's like there was no question in my his mind wife. or his girlfriend <laughs> but, but but there was no question in my mind as to as to like I didn't but, need an exposition dump of like anything. It's like I got well, no, it. not right, an exposition dump. It, as to, are you like? Are, isn't it not like though? I mean, like to what end though? 
right? Like, to what end is he, like, you know what I mean? Like, is he actually having some questions of his own sexuality? Is he just having some base eroticism based off of it? Like, it's not fleshed out. You know what I mean? Like, that's the problem. Like, and it doesn't take him just having, like, you know, a voiceover, a scene in which all he does is just talk about it. But I just feel like too much is is put upon you, the viewer, to put your own reading on it. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that I think you can, like... And you don't even have to like finite it down to a, a perfect point in which he's, you know, you've got his perfect psychological review of yeah. what his sexuality is, but it's just not like, it's not given, uh, the power and the gravitas that I think that it could use considering what the film is, you know, that could have been the main arc of the film. Even, you know what I mean? Is his voyage of his own sexuality in this world. Yeah. Which would have progressed. That would have been progressive. Yeah. I never got Cruising 2 greenlit, and it was going to be all that. <laughs> cruising 2, uh, Cruise Control. The, 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 the cruising know. 2, the banana boat, and they go to the uh, Fire Island. The banana boat. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Um, it's, the, the, there's a, there, there could have been a progressive, like, w- in what you were saying, like you connect Ted to the subculture, and that humanizes like an individual who's into S&M, who is a normal, it's, it's just, I have a kink and there's nothing wrong person. with my kink, mm-hmm. right? Everything's consensual at these clubs. Um, so it's like, but then also to have your protagonist be like, I think to insinuate that he's a murderer, but also going through these homoerotic thoughts definitely would feed someone without a very progressive point of view to be like, yeah, because you, when you, when you're gay, when you go evil. S&M, you know what I mean? Which is a very common thing. You made a character yeah. gay in a movie and it's, he's evil at that time. Yeah. So it's like yeah. to, to, to have your, to have yeah. your character like, like, Oh, maybe I am gay or like, Oh no, I can be turned on by certain things, but it doesn't mean mm-hmm. like, like my sexuality doesn't define who I am as a person. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's that's the crisis he's going through. Having a kink that's not mainstream does not make me mentally ill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 The only people right? that we know of from that the S and M subculture world in this film, beyond the club, is you know Burns, of course, the um, the killer. Uh, I'm sorry, what's the name? The waiter who gets taken to the the, for the interrogation skip skip who's skip. referred to as being uh having you know mental disorders and being all trouble right. too right you know what i mean like those those are the only people that you see outside of the scene mm-hmm. in this film yeah something wrong with them right yeah i i, um, I do i do let's feel talk like about I the other woman the well the before we do yeah the first murder uh what was his name santa um arnaldo, arnaldo santana yeah, uh, I, I do think for a moment, it, obviously they could have done a much better job, but I do think for a moment they gave him, me at least, I felt some empathy f- like with him oh, when he's sitting there and he goes, I've got nothing. When he says like, you know, have you ever been robbed yeah. or however he says it, uh-huh. he's like, oh, I've never, I, I got nothing for From anybody From the get go, I love him. He's like, I want to, yeah, I come here because I want to be worshipped. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like immediately I identify, I like, I get this, this guy's point <laughs> of view. Identify I identify with, with him. like, I need to be worshipped. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. We, yes, okay. 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 Relax. You came in with a jacket wide open, no pants on. You're like, look at me, look at me. Reveal. <laughs> no, but he's he's a vulnerable character. There's, yes, there's that very. Room. And then, oh man, it is a 
really awful, brutal, and uncomfortable and unsettling really murder is. scene. It really is just like it really is. And then the autopsy right afterwards, where like describing what happened after mm-hmm. the fact. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Um, you think uh, that a uh, uh, S and M uh, murderer would have a more interesting weapon than a steak knife? <laughs> a steak knife? Would you go to the Outback? And you just decided to... <laughs> from a restaurant? Yeah, yeah. not even yeah. like, like yeah. <laughs> not I got a, the rib. Yeah. I got the ribeye special down the street. No, I thought uh, I'd get out my murderer from the, from, from the Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not a sponsor. See, that's that's not where you mess up, Chris. So you you don't have a unique weapon uh, by having a, a non weapon you uh you avoid being caught kind of like Henry, oh, portrait of a serial killer this is it's yeah, like yeah, it's, it's yeah. inconsistent blend in. yeah, blend in. yes True. that's smart yeah good point good yep. point um uh also like i just real quick the the other woman in this movie uh the waitress whose face you don't see who splashes hot coffee on ted <laughs> and pacino yeah. and, uh, i do love that waitress i'm like, like a... i get it i'm like she's rushing around <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're kind of like yeah little she, she's like struggling lunch. struggling writer yeah. he's not leaving a tip yeah yeah who, who cares <laughs> yeah he's fucking in here all the time and he pays yeah. exact change yeah uh-huh. he, he ordered a water he's, he's not like paying for that yeah now you think ted landed uh james remar <laughs> Man, James Remar looks great. He looks great. Oh, he looks great. I'm a huge. I'm a huge James Remar fan. And uh, yes, yeah, this is his sexiest look for sure. <laughs> this yeah. is there's a crossover between uh, the Warriors and I was uh, thinking the same uh, thing. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. not just James what? Remar. There's the scene this... where Pacino is meeting with the detective of the bridge after they've they they like the Ed O'Neill. Uh, yeah, goes yeah, yeah. to the uh, the steakhouse and they figure it out. Oh, it's this knife. Uh, he eats up with Pacino and Pacino has like a leather vest on and a bandana tied around his head. Uh-huh. And he just he lo- it's a look that he's not really doing in the rest of the film. And it looks like he's a, a, a gang member in the Warriors. Yeah. In there. yeah. But yeah, Remar is fucking fantastic in this. And that's one of the yeah, few good. scenes where Pacino really pops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's doing Agreed. the Pacino thing. That's you know what I mean? He fucking loses. Yeah, you know it. Yeah. yeah, everybody. Yeah, everybody knows the thing. And I love it. Remar's just like, man, you're you like I'll fucking go. You know what I mean? Like you're crazy, mm-hmm. but I'll fucking dance with you. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's seen as a. It's funny too, because right, he's supposed to be like the the hothead possessive uh, boyfriend when really Dancer, Pacino. Right? What Pacino seems more like it really in that scene. <laughs> Yeah, in his action. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny. He's like, he's a little passive aggressive, but understandable. You know what I mean? I mean, and, yeah. and, you know, he is like, we're all we're told about him is through Ted's lens. Sure. Yeah. And it's not great. He's like, you know, oh, he's, he's like, a piece he's of making shit me work. How Ted describes him. Yeah. Well, I mean, but like, think about like, well, what's, what's, uh, 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 Mars Gregory's point of view is like, hey man, I worked and supported us for this amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. And now, now it's your turn. You know what I mean? I, 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 I see both sides. I see yeah. both sides. You know what I mean? No, that's it's a good like, point. And he's so it's like, does the, okay? Oh god, uh, did, what happens to Ted? Does does Gregory? Does James Remark kill him? Did Pacino kill him? Did like what is that? We don't know. Nope, because. Freaking doesn't know. 
You know what I mean? It's it's very frustrating because it's like I don't, I'm at a loss. It's like it, it's like all that happens in this film is questions are made, and then it's like the like you know. I feel like he would just be like. He would act like he would know the answers, but in reality, he has no idea. You know what I mean? Like, all no, he's he doesn't. just having fun you. asking questions. Know. Really? Yeah, it was, I, was I, intentional. I've, he doesn't. Read, he doesn't I've, say I've like anything. Like, oh, you know, there's definitely a concept to it that I worked from. Blah blah blah. He's just asking questions no, and not answering that's anything. That's why I brought up like that. the the uh, John John Carpenter and the uh, David Lynch thing. Because sure. David Lynch is like, people want an answer, and he'll be like, "Fuck you." That's not. Yeah, I'm not telling you that's yeah. not that's not my job to tell you what this means, and I I can I can understand doing that, but yeah. like I don't think he he it's it's this just homogenization Here's, of all he, of these well, ideas that are good but don't work. I'll also say in, in in response to like Lynch, and and I don't know Carpenter the thing you know that's a little bit different, but I will say that that typically he does put at least one character that shares the opinion of the audience of like, wait, what? So then yes. you're like, at least, yeah. And here there's no character that has no. any. Yeah. There. Yeah, exactly. And the, that could have been something could have that, that character, right? Yeah. Nancy could have been the peanut yeah. gallery. Like, Nancy like could have moment, been yeah. our, yeah. our ground, like, like uh, she yeah. is for Burns, like our grounding point of view. Like it could have been the captain. It could have been Paul Servino Paul, who yeah. has the Pacino. opportunity to be this great mentor, but he just uses Pacino all the way through. And when Pacino's like, thank you for, you know, being there for me. And like, I, like mm-hmm. you were such a good, you're such a good guy and I got my shield and it's all because of you and you're wonderful. It's like, he just fucking used you the whole time. Yeah. He left you hanging, man, all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. But at least he corrected him on his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so nice of him. The great so, Paul Sorvino. Okay. Do you, do, Chris, did you know that Michelangelo and I studied at the same school Paul Sorvino did? Really? Yes. Studied acting at the true. same school. No. Yeah. I had no idea. No. I was cruising before I knew it. Did you? We, had, uh, we all had similar careers. <laughs> you two and Paul Sorvino? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, like, I feel like that's also like part of my frustration, though, is that I feel like I, I really like Paul Sorvino and he's not really, I mean, <laughs> He's playing one note. Think, I agree with you there. He's I mean, playing one note. Yeah. Nothing there. The drabbest guy in the world. <laughs> Did you notice? And I, I this was like a little deep thing that I, I didn't notice. And I had to like when I saw the IMDb page, I was like, oh my god! I went back and looked at the scene. Did you notice Ed O'Neill was in it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's I one of the not, cops. Yeah, yeah, I didn't recognize him when I saw him. I was oh, like I blown away because I'm, you know, grew up with married with children, you know, and all. I just it was very funny. You didn't think that yeah. scene in which he talked about retiring and we're starting to work at a shoe store was weird? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, yeah, talking about how he won the big cut. game. Yeah. And when he was saying, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that he was, was going to marry a, yeah. a beautiful a, a Latin, uh, young Latin Cuban woman. <laughs> woman. Uh, yeah, I I didn't, saw his name, so, so this, so this, so married with children's in the cruising <laughs> universe, the cruising verse, yeah, so, but yeah. also modern, family. all contained, modern family, also modern family. All the- it's all, it's all wrapped up in the cruising universe. Um, I, I would disagree with you about Paul Zervino. I, I do, I can see why you, why you like obviously one note. I could, I, I understand that, but I thought it was a, a quiet and interesting performance. And I think ultimately the performances are. Um, lost and failed by the editing and the directing, the ultimate editing and directing of the film. 
Well, um, I, mean, I would I'll like say, to see the. I would like to see the cut before the MPAA got involved. Yeah, I think that's that, just it's just porn. It's just porn. That's oh, what no, was, you know was that forty minutes. Yeah, it's just like what was cut was an additional based off of what we were talking about earlier about the clubs. It's just forty minutes of just like graphic sex. There's no storytelling like, at all. There's so, nothing. So there's nothing to it at all. Freaking freaking's uh, idea was a he wanted to capture all of this stuff because he found it interesting, but also b he was like I knew that if I overshot the sex stuff. That when they asked for cuts, I'd be able to keep more of sure. what I wanted. Classic move, right? yeah. It's a, cla- it's a good, it's a good, yeah. it's a good move. So, like the, f- there is no cut of this film that's going to exist. Yeah, that works because of the confusion between him and then Pacino, who, which, <laughs> so here we here instead of two <laughs> great artists working together, what happens is two ego egos clash yeah. Pacino Pacino his hair is interesting in this right <laughs> a little different looking than usual yeah. and he yeah, had gone true. he went to a real homosexual barber according to him and to get a haircut a to cut his hair like the homosexual men of the time and they like it was like you know he was known for his hair and they cut it like almost crew cut and he showed yeah. up at production, just like he like barged in the room, it was just like they ruined my hair. They look at me, and they had to like look at pro- me. They had, I got this they, hair. Had to, they had to delay production for like six weeks, and they were like rubbing potions in his head and getting extensions. And he had a he had a, he had a <laughs> oh, stylist God. that was like constantly oh, working God. with his hair on it. Um, and listeners, would, listeners, and, and, listen before you finish the story. <laughs> This is not far off from what we have to do with Michelangelo. Yes, before this is, I have, we I have my hair. I, yeah, the cat was my hair person. Actually, no cat came down to the basement. It's my hair person. I refer to them as a cat. Um, um, uh, and, but is it looking? It's good. It's good, you look really. great. Part it looks great, great right okay, now. Thank you. Thank you. Got um, a great sheen. Um, it's been better. <laughs> God damn it. Um, uh, so Pacino, like freaking. Freaking likes a stand and deliver actor. You show up on time. You say mm-hmm. the lines that are written. You're good to go. <laughs> Pacino would show up hours and hours and hours late, completely oblivious to the time. It was a thing he was doing at the time where he just had no concept of time. He was he had all of this success. And I think that allowed him to be this sort of eccentric actor artist that he was. So he would show up. And freaking would be pissed and he would be hurt by it. Like, what what did I do? I don't understand what I did. And he would notice that all of his actors would be fresh, be ready. They would know their lines. And in the first few takes, they would be amazing. And Pacino was the opposite. Pacino needed to like do 50 takes to ramp up. He would ramp up to something and then bring it down into something that worked. And it just completely different from what freaking was i guess used to and wanting in a performer and it's it's just such a shame that they couldn't figure out how to work together and i think that again adds to the confusion the confusion of his he is amazing at times but then it's it's confused his performance is at times confusing to me because what is he actually going through what's happening i love it when an actor cuts out dialogue um and and like like there's so much to be said with with like just the glance of an eye, but like 
classic actor answer. You know, the mm-hmm. writing really gets in the way of my <laughs> making facial my performance. And my performance. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna cut this. I'm gonna cut this. I'm gonna cut yeah. this. <laughs> What's the, it was the Steve McQueen. Was that the one that was like? Uh, he's like, you know, early on in his career, he was really good about the words, but as he got older, he was like, they give him a script and he just like cut like half the script out and be like, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. There's a that lot of actors like that, especially around that time that would just be like, no, I'm not saying this. Uh, 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 Bronson, Charles Bronson would do that a lot, but on Bronson's end, it's, you know, I think it's, there was a limitation he had as an actor. Yeah. yeah I think no, that's Bronson why he would like, cut yeah. things. I'm not s- saying that. I'm just going to pull the gun up and shoot the guy. But, you know, speaking of actors who are good, who can explain things, let's talk about Powers Booth. Love Powers Booth. Do you Why know that he grew up? He grew up in this movie. He grew up next. He grew up next to me. Like I know. I mean, I didn't know him, but he really? grew up. Yeah, he grew up in the same. Did he teach uh, area. you about the bandanas and the colors? He did. But no, he um <laughs> he is from my little town of Texas, so everybody freaks out when they see Powers Booth in something. It it happens every time I have seen this film, and it's come up like you know the scenes and cultural and whatever michelangelo and i've talked about this why is he in this <laughs> i mean oh he was, was this, he's just was a, his career his career was beyond the point that he would be in a film for five seconds talking to like playing that role was it right? at this time i was don't know Power- I, I saw it hey man this film is littered with like new york stage actors and i think at the time he was a new york stage actor um and Maybe there was more to his part. I don't know. But light blue left, you want a blowjob. Light blue right, you want to give it. Green mm -hmm. left, hustler. Green right, buyer. Yellow left, you give golden showers. Yellow right, you want one. Now red, what does red mean? What Mm -hmm. does red mean? He never explains red. You could look it up if you really wanted to. I know, I I know, I know. It begs the question, why exactly did... did Burns choose uh, yellow of all the colors once he had it explained to him. Yeah, it is odd, right? It's like you—you <laughs> you well, you know. know what this means now, Chris. Did he just forget? <laughs> so yeah, yellow seems good. Chris, I—I I have I—I I have an answer for you on Powers Booth. Okay, shoot. He was in the ensemble for the Goodbye Girl, and that's it until cruising. Okay, there wow. you go. Wow, I thought that his career was further along. No, after cruising, that's when he hit. That's why I took Gag, off. the plutonium incident, which is not these are I don't know. Guyana, this is probably yeah. it. Guyana tra- tragedy, the story of Jim Jones, yeah. who played Jim I've Jones. Seen that. Yeah. It's That's good. probably what, what launched him right there. Cause you see his yeah. his crew changes very quickly after that. But yeah, he was he was like he was, he was lighting yeah. the New York okay. theater scene on fire around that yeah, time. He was yeah, he was yeah, doing I'm, some I'm great stuff. Only film is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Huh. Um like most of the Ted was a, a New York stage actor. Um uh, who has gone on to be nominated and win a bunch of Emmys for television shows. Uh, uh, he worked a lot on 30 Rock. Um, like, oh. he works to this day. He's worked on, like, a bunch of television shows, directing, producing, writing, acting. It's it's He was in a lot of soaps at the time. Mm. He got a so kick out of, like, Pac- that- all the stuff going on with Pacino. He was, like... 
he he get like the protesting and then like the bodyguards and everything. It was like when they were shooting one of those films in the cafe, they had to like get a bunch of bodyguards to create like a wall of bodyguards for Pacino to run into a police car and be driven off. And he was like, Hey, can I come with mm. you? And he's like, why you want to come with me? This is a nightmare. And he's like, because I'm never, I'm never going to have a, a moment like this. <laughs> this is like, yeah. I just want to experience what this yeah. is like. He was like yeah. laughing and having a good time. And Pacino's just like mortified and just like feeling awful the entire time he's shooting this. That's funny. So Powers Booth explains to the world the handkerchief system. Yeah. And then he's a star. Yes. Yeah, that's what he's did a it. Star. That's a star. I also, around this time, Chris, Chris will uh -huh. vouch for this. Around this time, I also was wearing handkerchiefs in my back pocket. As uh, I had really you long hair, so I always had a handkerchief to like tie my hair back. And I just bought, mm -hmm. I went to Hobby Lobby and bought like some blue ones, some red ones. Um, yeah. yeah. I remember your uh, concern. <laughs> if you were sending signals out in the world, it's like, I don't think that. Matters. I think you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, is this the thing I have to worry about? You're like, it's. It's, it's still a thing, though. You're fine. <laughs> no, it, no, it's still a thing. No, when when I moved to New well. York and I was living in Chelsea, I was like, okay, I need to stop with these. Yeah, uh, certain, in my back certain, pocket. Certain parts of the world, it could be taken the wrong way, but for uh, Kansas City in the early two thousands, I don't think it. Really Although matters. there was there was the pastor who was a regular at our coffee shop who was like, "Listen, you're going to the big city." And these these are gang signs. These these bandanas. Oh, gang signs. Gang signs. Gang oh, yeah. signs. Be careful. Yeah. I'm like, listen. Okay. Listen. You're, you, okay. you're a pretty young Al Pacino looking uh, mm -hmm. American Italian male. You wear that red bandana. You will definitely be confused for a blood. So yep. please be careful. Yes. <laughs> yep. But uh, no, I, I will tell you, I was in a show um, two years ago, American Rust, that aired on. Um, it was a Showtime, Showtime. show. Yeah. With um, Jeff and I, hey, I was in episode number five. Look it up. But uh, no. Both um, you and your wife right? were on the show. My wife was in two episodes. It's a competitive thing. I don't like to mention it. Uh, <laughs> but but on, on one of the episodes, they go through the, the bandanas because he goes to a truck stop to make money. And they're like, put this bandana in if you want to do this. Put this bandana on you if you want to do mm. this. And they do a whole thing about it. And it's all and it's set in present day, you know, um, you know, southwest Pennsylvania. So it's kind of interesting. I was like, still a thing, still, still a way of announcing, you know, your intention in a, in a, in a certain group of people. Yeah. In a community. I don't know if that only works though. Like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if like a young 20 something year old, you know, person, if that means anything though, or if that's only for older people, you know what I mean? Oh, you like, mean like the older guys are like, yeah, mm, like older I know guys that, but, yeah. mean something, but like the 20 year olds are like, like we go on grinder. It's, it's exactly. We have apps, like, you know what I mean? Apps, like, yeah. yeah. We it's can like, literally it's meet like, up and it's see like, around ah, us truck, two months what? Yeah. Like truckers. Well, like, let's take this. Uh, let's, you know, it could be, uh, it couldn't even be taking it from. It could just be like, uh, just like uh, its own thing that forms through right. like the trucking right. community. Cause it's like, how much do we know about the trucking community? And then that show's written and it's like, you know, it's like, when was that conceived? That was conceived these many years ago by this person who maybe had some experiences these many years ago. So it's like, at what right, point, right. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But it makes it makes sense that it's like, oh, what's something someone might have on them a lot? A bandana. 
You use it for all sorts of things. What if we came up with a color-coded system? Oh, yeah, it makes that, sense. Like, that signifies, well, like, like a, I'm looking for speed. Do you have speed? Because I'm not supposed to be doing speed. I'm looking for someone to drive, like, to, to, to like, do this or do mm-hmm. that. Like, it, it, you know, to have a shorthand yeah. at these, like, way stations in life. The, it's hey, interesting. The, the green room and shoelaces. The what? The green room and shoelaces. I don't the remember. Shoelace colors uh, yeah, yeah, in the green yeah, 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 yeah. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green, our, check out yeah. our green room episode. Please um, go back. It's a great episode, actually. So, speaking of context, let's talk about the gigantic man in the room with the cowboy hat and jackstrap that slaps Skip. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. I remember, um, I don't know if you had this, yeah. Mickey, when you were watching it. Were you just like, what? You're you're saying exactly <laughs> what Pacino says and what Skip says. Like, what? Who, who is that? What is happening? What is, what is happening? Going on? What it the felt- fuck is that? I was like, this is, this is, this is, yeah, out there. Yeah. It felt, so, and I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Mickey, do you know the context of it? I don't. Please tell me. So, so the context is, and you would only know this by doing research, is that this is what police officers literally did back then, is they would, they would hire they would like get like a gigantic dude in a, like a jockstrap and a in a, in a cowboy hat and like to slap up the per, the person and beat them into getting a confession so that when they were in court and they were like, "Well, you confessed to this," it was like, "No, I was being beaten." Well, what happened? Well, a giant black man in a jockstrap and a cowboy hat came into the room and slapped me around. The judge wouldn't believe them. They would be like, "That's insane." No, that didn't happen. So it wasn't. So it wasn't a homoerotic thing. It was just a thing that they did to all perps. It was it was a t- it was a tactic. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a style of it, the cops would do these things to get confessions out of people to wrap up their cases because wrapping up the case was more important than solving the case. And they would use tactics like this. And like, uh, mm-hmm. th- I think this just fit in with the themes that were happening yeah. in the movie. But like, it's scary. It's like a mostly naked gigantic man comes into a room and smacks you around like it's it's like you're supposed to, like and there's no one to believe you. It's it's absolutely yeah. terrifying. But I like Pacino's like what why you why you hit me so hard and like throws his hat out the window. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who is that guy? Do, do you yeah. know who that guy is, Chris? Is that like a football player or something? Got to be a football player. You know, I was just actually giving that a look. I, I thought I'd please, man, I thought please I'd tell me it's up. the other guy from Married with Children, the other the security guard at the mall. <laughs> yeah, his, his friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, I can't find it. But uh I think, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I hadn't really thought of it before, but you guys are familiar with like Tom of Finland, right? The, the kind of the gay artist. Yeah. Who like tied macho masculinity into that whole, the, you know, uh, classic mustached kind of S and M E kind of like, yeah, it's interesting. Lynn, was that, do you know, Michelangelo was that kind of a reference point that they used in a lot of the, like, settings of the film um, or is that just happening? No, I, I think I think they were oblivious to that. I do know that like um uh Mapplethorpe like was inspired by that actor's uh costuming and betrayal in in uh uh in uh in this film for a project that he worked really? on. Uh 
but I, I, I do, I am familiar. I, I didn't know the name, but I am familiar with that, like that ultra masculine, like yeah. fit mustachioed, like, like that. I remember I watched a documentary about, about, it wasn't about him specifically, but it was about a movement that was happening around that time. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how, if that was directly reflected or not, maybe it was. I mean, uh, the so the difference between like this and Nightmare and Elm Street Two, I think you have a bunch of oblivious men uh, making something <laughs> that they had no way, like just completely oblivious to the homoerotic themes in it. And this was very intentional, but like is kind of failed through its storyline. It's 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 like the opposite of the two yeah. where it's like I think for me for me at least I know you guys don't feel this way but for me at least I think Nightmare 2 kind of becomes this really awesome story in retrospect now that's been reclaimed and like with this which was made with the best of intentions I think and like through his effort to not to 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 objectively show you something without a point of view ultimately ends up like suffering as a result of it and you 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 can pull some of those like regressive opinions from it as as a result of not having a point of view is it you had mentioned that it's kind of uh the viewpoint on the film has been a bit revitalized uh later in the years is it kind of taking a bit of a nightmare on elm street to turn that like you know maybe was seen as being very backwards and thought is now maybe being embraced slightly well, once you once you understand that he wasn't like oblivious to these things and he wasn't trying to intentionally make an anti-homophobic film and you you like you look into it in that aspect and you can let go of like any ideology of homophobia within it because this movie is not homophobic in its intention. Um I think people like minus the controversy now have uh, it's been sort of lauded by some to be a kind of masterpiece in a way. Hmm. Um, uh, but not in the way uh, with nightmare where it's like, yeah, it's the circum so circumstantial the the arc that of everything in that film. Listen to the episode, uh, listener. Um, uh, if you're curious about about that, uh, we dig into uh, into those things. Um, I'll quote Pacino here, uh, and this is while he was making it. Um, this is what he was hoping would happen. Uh, it's a film about ambivalence. I thought the script read partly like Pinter. Partly like Hitchcock, a whodunit with uh, an adventure story, and I I do see those aspects of like a Hitchcockian Pinter type yeah. play in here, but again, it doesn't succeed in those things. And l- later, he was like, I I felt Pacino uh, said I felt that um, uh, freaking like cut out the meat of what was going on. The forty minutes that got cut. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, is it the <laughs> forty minutes? No, it's cut. not. It's it's a not the forty minutes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't think. Like, oh, there you he, go. Yes, he did yes, say, yes, yes. He did say meat. Meat. The meat. <laughs> he literally says meat. It's in the I, book. I have to pee. I'll be right back. Okay. We, we Why just, you whisper it? 
<laughs> well, no, you can continue, but I just want to have a place where I just, you know. Yeah, the listener can hear it if you whisper it. Yeah, in I know. I'm going to go pee. The listener's um, like, why are they so quiet all of a sudden? I can't hear what they're saying. Hey, so can Nikki. we talk about. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? No, go, go, no, no, no. I was going to make a stupid well, joke. And I don't know. We can wait until Mickey gets back. But, like, can we get into, like, what is the point of Joe Spinell? The patrolman character. Oh, I wanted to bring this up. So Joe Spinell, who's awesome, I like is, him. Is but... he playing? Is I love Joe Spinell. He's yeah. in Maniac. He's in Godfather. Yep. He's in Rocky. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite jokes in Rocky Two is uh, he he's uh, Joe Spinell's like Rock. You know, you got to think about investments. What do you what yeah. do you uh, what are you thinking about <laughs> yeah. investing in uh, uh, condominiums? And he's like, Condom- I don't use them. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, because <laughs> he thinks I like he's that. paying condoms. Yeah, condoms. Um, that's a good one. But Joe Joe Spinell. So yeah, is he playing uh, multiple parts? It's it's so this is oh. where it becomes an issue because because of the whole this kill the killer victim switching thing that happens and the dubbing thing is Joe Spinell always Joe Spinell or is Joe Spinell sometimes a cop and sometimes a a, a oh. guy in the club. I have never had that thought in watching it. Like if anything, like to me, that's a whole, like they open up a can of worms with his character and then they never explore it because, well, we do yeah. know though that like the, the sex worker, who's the informant, you know, he, uh, da Vinci. he, he talks about that's, that's, that's his character's name. Da Vinci. Yeah. Gene Davis, uh, Da Vinci. Who's I actually, again, talk about, someone in the film that would be much more interesting if you explored his story. Yes. He's like C story in this film. And like, it would have been so much more interesting to follow his his path. But so, I mean, he's sexually accosted by Joe Spinell, the, uh, in the, you know, and, uh, what's his face from, uh, uh, um, uh, dumb and dumber. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Before, but that's how you get out of having to give a cop a blowjob. You're like, do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> well, like, um, okay. Whoa, that whoa, whoa, that was whoa. Dumb. That was dumb. So whoa. He, well, like, I think that again, like, that's an interesting story, right? Like, he's this, like, angry guy in his little story in the cop car, Joe Spinell. Then he sexually assaults a sex worker. Uh, then you see him in this, in the subculture, he's staring at Pacino's, he's staring at Pacino cause he wants to fuck him. Is he staring at him? Cause he's like, that guy looks familiar because they're both cops. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Is he yeah. possibly a killer? It's touched on, but it's not, it's not evolved. It's not fully fleshed out, you know? Yeah. Like again, interesting things that are not done. So, okay. The scene in the bar, uh, uh, and the park before he meets with the captain for the first time, right? I have a question. Do you think Pacino is hooking up with those guys in the bar? He's getting rubbed on the chest by a guy and then it cuts. And then later when he's like in the, in that scene with Joe Spinell and he's like under the bridge in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have the, that eye contact scene that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Larry Atlas is in that scene. He walks by, mm-hmm. stares at Pacino yep. and then they oh, both I walk off in the that. same direction. So what's right. happening there? Yeah, is it he, seems is like he, is he is he engaging? Is he actually engaging in sexual activity with other men? It is seems he not? like it. But I feel like I feel like he time, is. I don't know. I feel you like he so? is. I think do, he do is. You th- do you think that that's something that is left perf- like purposely ambiguous 
or is that just something that like, you know what I mean? Like, is that something that the expectation is for you, the viewer to do the work? Like, I guess I, I, I think speaking as a straight heterosexual or, you know, speaking as a straight heteronormative kind of guy, mm-hmm. I would think if that were a guy who had that situation with a female, like a straight male with a female, I, my mind would immediately go to, yeah, they're, they're hooking up or they're taking it further. But I think that, that, you know, that's why I'm like, I, I can't put myself in the places of somebody that I'm not. So, but it seems like if you're, if you're having those interactions and you're walking off in the middle of the night together or following each other, I feel like it's, you're, you're pushing it further than you're where pushing it was. It. But, yeah. but, doesn't yeah. he, but doesn't he have to do that though? Because of the fact that he's undercover, right? It's like the undercover agent, the undercover agent in the drug trade, right? They very commonly do get hooked on drugs because they're really doing drugs. Yeah. Donnie Brasco. But then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like. It blurs the line of like, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, it it does, it does intentionally blurs that line. Yeah. But then to what end, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the confused, that's the ultimately confusing storyline that doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't match mm -hmm. up with motivations and some of the other scenes, but I, I, I would agree. I think that's saying it's saying, yes, he is experimenting at the very least, but it's not just thoughts. But then, but then, like he's getting tied up by that one guy, and it's like, how mm. far is he willing to go? And I think yeah. that that, that like fingers that guy is conflicting. But then he doesn't, you know, like the the scene with the handkerchief. Now it's a little earlier in the film, but still, like it that scene though shows this like aloofness of someone that I is, thought it showed a willingness. I thought that this, was like that's the crossover the second, almost. But the second that it gets pointed out by someone that, you know, he's not really into it, he pockets it. You know what I mean? No, okay. I, I, I thought you were talking about the, the huffing. I thought you were talking about the huffing. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. The, he's got the yellow, the, the yellow no, handkerchief. No, no, I think that's him. I think that's him toying with it. And I think when he mm-hmm. finally huffs it, he's finally like, you know, maybe I'm going to let go a little bit and I'm going to experience this. Really yeah. experience as much as I'm going to, I'm going to really push my boundaries. And okay, I, also, help I, me. I also think it's intentional when, when the cops come in early and they haven't, yeah, I think that he was going to allow this to go as far as it can go. Uh, and I think that he's not, yes, of course he's mad because they didn't get like, because they busted into early, but I also think that that's, that plays on two levels. Right. And I do think that's intentional. Yeah, I think how it's far intentional. would that have gone? Do you think like, I think that he, so, but, it's so sad because Skip is like, I don't want to do that the whole time. You know, the, they can't hear mm-hmm. what's going on, but we hear mm-hmm. enough. It's like, I don't want to tie you up. I don't want to. I'm not into yeah. this. This is weird. This is mm-hmm. weird. Yep. I just wanted to fucking hook up. I didn't yep. want to fucking, you know. Yeah. Which is interesting because he, Skip is at all these yeah. underground sex clubs. Well, so maybe and, he's just like. And the bartender says that he's trouble. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That he's a, a mental case and that he like, you know, gets into fights and stuff like that. And he so is. maybe he's he's very similar to Pacino where he's like, I'm toying with the idea of exploring my sexuality. But what does that say about myself? Is I'm he not an openly gay from man. The, the well, boys I think, I think, yes, he's undercover for the bus <laughs> boys guild. But, but, but I also say. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I also it's like two things can be true at the same time, right? Absolutely. You can, yes. you can be doing. Oh, yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Yes. You can be yeah. doing your job, 
and put in uncomfortable situations and find yourself tantalized, wanting to explore a part of your sexuality. Those both can be true at the same time. You can be a kid who has like some kind of mental illness, not accepting his father's death, trying to, you know, seek approval from his father while also not being the murderer, right? It's like, I think that that's, I think this movie plays a lot in that gray area of, yes, both things can be right. And I do agree with you. It doesn't do a good job mm-hmm. of bringing us to any kind of uh, uh, catharsis, right? It's like, it gives you nothing. What do we think of Stuart then? What do we, what do we, what did you get from that? And I, I will say this, this time upon viewing it, I always forget that it's like, oh, his dad's dead the entire time. Mm-hmm. So what I did was that scene with uh, the boy meets world dad, um, William yeah. Russ. Yeah. Again, um, hilarious. Every so small and character he's re- I, in this film. He's really a, yeah. good in this. He's, oh, yeah. he's fantastic. Yeah. His two so scenes grounded. are fantastic. But so like, it's so when he's with the cops, and he's like, yeah, his dad's been dead forever, but mm-hmm. he talks like he's still alive. It was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I went immediately went back because Stewart's talking about like, ah, my dad's not going to give me money for a car. Uh, you know, he's stiff. He's, he's like, he's not going to give me any money right now. Yeah. And his friend who knows his dad is dead. Mm-hmm. Right. Is, is he's such a, he seems like a really good friend. I he's agree. Like, hey, are you going to come hang out with us tonight? You I'm, know, I'm not like, worrying about that. I'm worrying about tonight are you hanging out yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's like yeah. maybe my dad will adopt you may you mm-hmm. know what i mean he it's seems really sweet, like a, yeah. he seems like a good this good friend yeah. for this like troubled kid who i don't think is the killer agreed i well, agree i agree with that okay Michelangelo. is he is he a killer do you guys think that i don't think so i don't know hmm. i i i think it's i think where I think I think it could be there's there's a bit of a Bateman in there as well, where it's like he could have killed one person, but he's the scapegoat for multiple murders. And and I also think it's possible that he carries that knife for protection, not just to like shank people. I I don't think he's a killer at all. I think okay. when I I I look at it very much from the uh, viewpoint of like he is being stalked. By this crazy man who's outside his room. Like, true. Why does, it's true. Why so does true. Pacino stare at him? <laughs> yeah. That's that stupid. I know you know, and you know I know, and we know. It's I'm just like you. Like this, you're I'm you're, under, you. you're yeah. undercover. The point is not for them to know <laughs> you're suspecting them. No. You know, yeah. and I, I do, th- you know, in if you do some research, I think the character is supposed to have schizophrenia or something, something, yeah. some mental thing going on. But I don't think he's a killer. Killer, and, yeah, that doesn't I, make you a killer to have. And, yeah. And, and yeah. It, it, in that in that final scene in the park, right, it's Pacino, who's the one Aggressor. making things happen. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. the one who steps on his pants and pulls out yeah, the knife, pulls him down. Yeah, yep. he pulls the yep. knife out first, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like, which basically, again, Pacino gets his shield for like, <laughs> for like harassing and stabbing this a kid, well, kid who needs help. Mental to disease, be yeah. fair, that's still true to this day by most of the yeah. police force. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this, but this, but no, but that conversation right there is is where I think this film actually does kind of win me a little bit because I hate the fact that it's so ambiguous, but I also like the fact that it's like 
It's not trying to give me any answers. It's not trying to give me shit. I have to like, I have to make these decisions on my own or just be frustrated with it and give up on it. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, and I agree with you in that, in that I like, I like a film that's ambiguous. You know, I like being given that, but I want at least, <laughs> I'd like, I, yeah. I like craftsmanship. <laughs> that leads yes. me to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. There's yeah. no craftsmanship. I, yeah. That's, that's me. There's, there's yeah. some, there's, cra- there's, I mean, there's lots of craftsmanship. Lots. It's just, it's just yeah. not it's enough. It's too many things. It's too many things. <clears throat> it's, it's a never ending maze. That and doesn't that, make sense. I think even talking about this now makes me realize that that's also a big part of my frustration is that a lot of the areas of this film that I think are much more interesting aren't, aren't they don't go down the pathway at all you know what i mean like there's so many so many ways that it could have been done you know what i mean and just yeah. chosen not to i agree with i agree with you there it's like you have so many talented amazing people and in such a interesting time in one of the greatest cities in the world and it just doesn't quite follow through for me um well, um the police night at i think it's district 13 mm-hmm. i think is the name oh, of that yeah. club oh yeah that was leave. The... yeah like, you don't have yeah. the right vibe yeah you, you um, feel wrong buddy you're not yeah um <laughs> it reminded me of a memory i have with my brother one of my brothers oh boy <laughs> just, hour. The, just the costumings i i so one of my brothers uh uh was going to be a soccer player and he hurt himself his senior year. So he ended up going to not a good college, not, not, not like a really good college for soccer. And he basically just spent a semester going wild bef- at college before he went back home and ended up getting into the profession he's in. Uh, and I remember when I showed up to visit him in the middle of nowhere in Missouri, um, I like knock on his door and he answers it and he's completely naked except for a riot police helmet and some gloves. Nice. Nice. That's <laughs> And he's like, uh, give me, give me five, 10 minutes. And then like an hour later, he shows up finally. Um, <laughs> but I, every time that scene pops up, I forget about it. Every time the scene pops up, I think of my brother. I think of police Academy. I think of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <you> know? <laughs> Yeah. I also think it's it's so okay, victim three, the peep booth guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's crazy that he parks his Mercedes convertible with all of the expensive fashion stuff for the shows and movies or whatever that well, he has going on. He parks it right outside the peep show in a very dangerous area in New York, uncovered. I, again, and the scene before it even, like why why is there setup for him? You know what I mean? Like, for yeah, just a, here's murdered. his backstory. Here's a little backstory. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think I well, that's I, I believe that that's freaking going. Hey, these are normal people. They work. They work in the fashion industry. They work this. They work that. But at night, they have this job. other side to Has them. Has a day right? job. How, yeah. How and he's a successful fashion guy. That's the that's yeah. the real the common people. You know, a successful career in the fashion business, as we all do in Middle America. Uh, yeah, uh, you have a place. You have a place on the <laughs> islands, Fire Islands. Well, you and then yeah. even, and then even the 80s. Yeah. And then I think it's funny too that in his little backstory scene, it's almost like he's the one that's like, "We got to be serious. To, there's so much to be done." 
I'm going to go to a peep show and get murdered. I got to get a fucking blowjob real yeah, quick. Like, the internet yeah. doesn't exist yet. That's true. Oh, fair. That's fair. That's true. Like, anything, that, that, probably is, that probably is the convenient, fast way to get to get your rocks off. At the time, yeah. Sure. Oh, you had yeah, to. Yeah. You had Orange to. Orange theaters were incredibly successful for all communities yeah. in the late 70s, 80s. Ask Travis Bickle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll take a moment here for you, the viewer, for you to, to have go a moment. Ask Travis, Travis go Bickle. Go uh, ask Travis yeah, Bickle. Yeah, okay. it's, it's a good first date, the porn theater. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we have not done an episode on this, so you should probably to come into the video store. You should probably know what we're talking if about. You're a, if you are of our ilk, then you know who Travis Bickle is, right? It's true. Travis Bickle, Stuart Little, these are Paramount. <laughs> Yeah, characters in cinema history. Yeah. Iron Giant. Iron Giant. <laughs> Iron Giant. <laughs> <laughs> Vin Diesel, Michael J. Fox, Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah, it all, it all comes back. Al Pacino. Um, and this guy. Third victim. Um, yeah, so... What? What's going on? What happens? What does this all yeah. mean? Yeah. Who's the killer? Who's not the killer? Yeah. Who's what's what's going on? What do mm-hmm. you what did you what do you guys if we if we remove we remove the sure. makers yeah. of it, if we remove it, like mm-hmm. what is yeah. what is your experience? How's it changed from before, Chris? Like Mickey, this is your first time. So let's start with you, Mickey, as this should oh, be your first time. Mm-hmm. What okay. did you, what does this movie, what do you think the, the, the point of it is? And like who, what happened? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> wow. That What's the point? So, what so many the levels of a question. What yeah. the fuck? Um, as a first time viewer of this film, I when it, immediately upon credits, um, I was baffled. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, wait. I was like, what? Wait. I was like, who killed? I was already kind of confused. I was like, because at first, at first I thought, oh, I know who the killer is. Then I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's another person. Oh, wait, no, is it multiple people? Oh, wait, what is going on? And then at the end, I'm like, oh, I have no fucking clue. I started off not knowing. I finished not knowing. And it took me a minute to sit in it and be at first like, this is dumb. And then go, okay, well, no, it's Friedkin, right? For Friedkin, I'm willing to be like, I'm willing to do some work. You know, he's earned the audience to do him some work. And that's where I started to feel like, okay, it's obviously intentionally ambiguous. Um, So for me, on my first viewing, based on a dumb kid who grew up in the South, who was not exposed to anybody of the LGBTQ community that had come out. I know I had been exposed to people, but they had not come out until I was almost 20 years old. I feel like this film is wrestling with a series of murders in the 1970s that were so sad and so underserved by our police forces. And it did mistakenly um, profile a group of people as bad. And um, 
when really all they had was a sexual kink that we all have. So for me, it's a giant metaphor of of a time when police like got shit wrong and and misprofiled a group of people, which seems to happen to this day. So yeah, that's what this film is. It's a giant, giant metaphor of a very sad part of our uh, law enforcement. <laughs> I think that's where I landed as my like final like thesis of this first watch. What is what is the meaning of cruising? A cab. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will yeah. say one one clear message that you totally get from this film is it's like the the sort of nihilistic, brutal, apathetic viewpoint of the police force oh, yeah. and how they fail us, right? Which is like not. This has not changed much. <laughs> no. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's just another fucking I, job where you got to get stuff done. Especially whenever you take into consideration, like the film starts with a body part being found in uh, off the coast. You know what uh, I mean? And it goes. And then we finish. And then and and it's not even like that's not even it, like a touched on throughout the course of the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. That's the point. Is the level of ambivalence. <laughs> yeah to murder yeah. of uh, uh, a, a section of the community. There's there's mm -hmm. a name for it. And I didn't write it down, but it, it freaking was blown by it. But it's like if the police find a body part, right? It, it It's not immediately a murder investigation at that time. Uh -huh. It was like uh, circumstances unidentified. I can't, I can't remember the name of it right yeah. now. Uh, but yeah. if if you do read the book, if you do look into this, he, there's a name for it. Um, and it's obviously in the they show it at the very beginning. Uh, yeah. uh, but it's like, yeah, it's a pending police investigation, essentially. And it's like you don't find an arm in the water. It's like like ninety nine yeah. times out of a hundred. It's something went some some foul play is at hand mm -hmm. now. Well, and. And to talk about like, just I mean, I mean, this is an obvious statement, but for anybody who hadn't put two and two together, it's like it's it's a police cruiser. You, you after you get that initial, you know, shot of the boat, you go straight into a police, you know, cruiser who's cruising. Yeah. And what the do they do? They pick up. Yeah, they pick up two, um, two gay men, and they you know use their authority to sexually assault these two men it's like it's yeah it's or or you know women however they i don't know their yeah how they want to be seen i don't know yeah, yeah. but or, they don't they don't gender themselves we don't have to yeah. do it I mean, for it's them. Like, yeah. they're sex workers you can yeah they're, you, yeah they're definitely sex workers and it's it's yeah and it's like but I, I just another abuse of and another abuse of the power of the police but but yeah. i just thought also you know just you know you open it up and the police are cruising and yeah it's that's that's that whole storyline is is based off of like there were these men who were pretending to be police officers mm -hmm. who would go around and like have sex and beat and steal money from and and like I think possibly kill uh these sex workers um uh but it did turn out that they were not police according to the records. It probably they probably Again, were police an, an, but that's the <laughs> And that's, I'm that's sorry, again, yeah. it's a part, it's, it's like, it's like, oh, this really interesting, horrible fact, we're going to pull it, it like, I, I'm sure you've experienced this, Mickey, where it's like, you're working on something, you're writing something, you're with a group of people, and you're like, 
hey, you know that one thing in this story? It doesn't make sense. And then someone's defense is like, well, this is how it happened. It really happened that way. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't, just because something really happened doesn't mean that it fits into a compelling story arc, right? It's 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 a compelling piece of information. It's yeah. a compelling thing that happened. It's a, ter- a horrific thing that happened. Like, how do you fit this in and give it context and make it make sense within the arc of everything else you're giving us? In an hour and forty five, hour forty one, hour forty one. But I'm saying it's 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 the duality of a documentarian who turns to narrative filmmaker who is trying to shove too much into you know, a narrative film. It's like, that's the thing, right? It's like documentaries are supposed to like sit back and just let people kind of, yeah. they're, they're not supposed yeah. to be narrative, right? Yeah. In oh, nature. Yeah. Now there, there are many that are, and yeah. I, so I don't many. want to be like, more, yeah, there are many. often than not. More often than not. Yeah. We're in the but era of the bullshit documentary, oh, yeah. in my opinion. But, oh, yeah. but, but in, in essence, a documentary <laughs> is really about the filmmaker stepping back and you forming your own opinions about what they're filming. And it's, and it's, in in the reality of what's happening, uh, narrative filmmaking is not that right. It's like we are crafting a story with an end with an end game in sight, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a duality that happens with people who have a documentary background that sometimes try to, you know, I don't. I, I would say Terrence Malick falls into that camp a little bit, but yeah, it worked for him with Exorcist, right? Mm-hmm. It it. You know, it didn't work at the time, but Sorcerer, like there, it works sometimes for him. But this, yeah. yeah. But so, Chris, um, yeah. what what did you pull from it, and how, has it changed? Um, I don't think it's changed. I think that like it's one of those things, right? To take the glass half full, uh, for the film would be, excuse me the glass half full for the film would be that it is the story of like showing this ambivalence by the police force towards a community, the, the power struggle that forces itself on the community that we kind of talked about with the sexual assaults by the police. Uh, and then the way the community is, uh, underserved by, (laughs) by Mm -hmm. everyone really. And then at the end is left with this unsatisfying ending because there is no resolution. The problem is just that again, right? We could write all that out and it sounds great. Problem is, is that the film itself doesn't work in pulling a lot of those things off. You, the viewer can do the work. You can flesh that in for it. And then you can take that out of it. The problem is, is that it just doesn't play. I think really the film is best served as watching this outlandish film that clearly is just taking, I think like, you know, just taking these swings and not caring about forming a classic, classic narrative story. You know what I mean? And then seeing these ridiculous things like the betrayal of the, of some of the nightclubs the uh the al pacino's dancing and <laughs> these things and then just yeah. i think taking it into just some sheer entertainment value you know what i mean i think that's just really what it is michelangelo 
what does it mean, Michelangelo? What does it mean? What does it mean? What's it for? What did it do? What did it? Why was this a part of? Yeah, our culture. Let me rub your chest and and. Oh yeah, okay. I'll rub your back. He'll rub your chest. Oh, okay. Actually, real quick, side note, viewer. Whenever Michelangelo and I first saw this film, one of my favorite jokes used to be at the time would be Michelangelo would wear Western shirts. That all mm-hmm. had buttons, and I would just all come snaps. up to him randomly. All snaps. I just come up to him randomly and would just rip them down. <laughs> you were in the, the middle of the, like people. <laughs> it like you were not the only male friend that would do that to me when yeah. I was in my pearl snapped uh, Western <laughs> shirt phase of my life, which I would love to return to. Actually, you should um, do it. Yeah, bring back the Western shirt. expensive though. At least a denim shirt, a, a, a black. Like a black I tank. Denim. I have pearl a denim shirt. Yeah, yeah. Leather, black I, leather jacket over. When I when I'm dressed up nice to go out, the denim pearl snap Levi shirt comes out. My friend, do you ever oh do belt boy. buckles? Do you do belt buckles? Uh, I. You know what, Mickey? I actually do have something here that I've been meaning to give to you. Um, oh, this is just your well, bus. What? Well, why would you move? Why would you like this here? Hey, Love that! Oh my god, that's nice. great. It's a Lone Star belt buckle. Brass. It's got a bottle opener. On oh, the I was wondering side. if it did. Of course, of course. I bought this in my 20s. And what I thought what was happening is like, girls will ask me for a drink at a party. I will <laughs> go, hey, let me open that beer for you. And I'll undo my pants to subtly suggest sex <laughs> and open the bottle of beer for the And then lady. you take a bottle and move the bottle closer to your crotch. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, but what and happened is I did it. Okay, I, the first time I did it, I spilled beer all over my crotch, and it was embarrassing. <laughs> Looked like you pooped yourself all night. <laughs> uh, and the buckle is just extremely heavy um, and not really that functional. Right, uh, but right. it is is cool, and I wear it in honor of uh, Joe Bob Briggs whenever I watch uh, The Last Drive-In. There um, you go. I, I have quite a few belt buckles. Um, To get the podcast back on track <laughs> sorry <laughs> what do i think all of this means um you know watching it recently not this time but the time before that i watched it i'm like you know we start in the harbor and we end in the harbor in the end nothing changes in the end it, it's like we're, we're right back where we started it doesn't mean anything and i think that's the ultimate message it's trying to say about like the the police system there you know what i mean you, you see these themes in french the french connection right corrupt police department mm-hmm. nothing changes things just repeat themselves i i do think it's a confusing film and i think it's because you know freaking is working through something while he's making this and i think pacino is working through something when he's making this but there's a lost communication between the two most important elements, I think, of this film. Um, and ultimately, the movie fails as a complete film, but it, for me, stands triumphantly as capturing like these two great artists, an aspect of a subculture, the justice system, and this time place in New York. It's It's... It's this time capsule that I uh, greatly appreciate exists, but like could not defend it as some great piece of cinema. Um, 
uh, but I love it. And I will continue to double feature this with Pumping Iron, uh, two uh, very heterosexual on, films. On Valentine's Day. Um, in defense of freaking, I will say, quoting him, it was never meant to be emblematic of anyone's lifestyle, but it did exist, and it was meant to be a background to a murder mystery. And I think if he had made some decisions and worked some mm -hmm. things out, I think yeah. that would have been seen more clearly in the time. Um, well, in the in the quote alone, when the background is the foreground, then you've exactly it doesn't and work. I think <laughs> that we go back to like too much time maybe in the clubs, but like we want to explain what's anyways. Yeah. Um, do we want to make recommendations now? Or do we yeah. do we have other things we'd like to to say? I feel like I, I I'm good. I, I gotta say, good. Uh, we usually do thank yous at the end, and we'll do more thank yous. But like, thank you the two of you because I obviously needed to talk about this, and I obviously yeah. <laughs> like I understand. I, 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 under I understand the movie more now as a result of talking to the both of you, and I'm looking forward to watching it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> are you Valentine's? Gonna, yeah, it's, it's our Valentine's, Valentine's Day. day. Every okay, okay, year, okay. Valentine's Day, we're doing this. We're cruising every Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, uh, Mickey, who do you recommend this movie to at the video store? Um, Yeah. Do you like American Horror Story Season 11 NYC? You gotta see Cruising. Do you like my friend Michelangelo? <laughs> then you gotta see cruising. Okay, those are my stipulations. That's, yeah, if you yeah, like those two things, true. you gotta see cruising. <laughs> if you're a William Freakin uh, uh, completist, if you're a Al Pacino completist, you gotta see these. You gotta see cruising. I'm glad I saw it because I, I respect both artists. So glad to have another one of their films that completely I had a blind spot for. So thank you for bringing it to me. And those are my recommendations. I'll move it on to Chris. Mickey, if I can give a, uh, 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 <laughs> my recommendation to you, you don't need to champion this film on Michelangelo's behalf. He will do <laughs> yes. more than enough. No, I, I appreciate the support. <laughs> I feel like Chris uh, knows me too well, maybe. That's, that's why I get more support from Mickey. I, you know, I would recommend this film to anyone who is mature enough to watch it in that this film and to me this is a fascinating train wreck like i think that it's 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 like a car crash like i you know it's i get a lot of joy out of watching it just like i do all car crashes <laughs> yeah uh no but like it's such a mess it's enjoyable to watch i think that in talking about it I actually realize how annoyed I am by it because there's just so much more. There's so many worlds out there of such a better film, but at the same time though, if you can take the joy out of it for what it is, I think it's definitely worth watching. I think the biggest thing is just making sure that you are mature enough to contextualize it, to know that this isn't uh, yes. endemic of a people right. uh, yes. <laughs> or a Obviously. place even, you know what I mean? Even I'll say even for a place, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I like that kind of like gritty, new york 70s look and all that at the same time too i also get kind of annoyed maybe this is just a, a modern statement i get annoyed at people trying to make it sound like you know like oh yeah it's a war zone and in, in inner cities and the blah 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 you know what i mean it's like no 
no, it's not. No, you know what I mean? It becomes a prison, New York City. And it already you know, did. The president, ago, the right? president yeah. ended there. <laughs> Uh, 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 and uh, Snake had to come get him out. I knew yeah. what you were going for there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They should blend. There's, there's your remake. We blend okay. Escape from New York and Cruising. Escape from New York Cruising into together one movie. One. Uh, well, cruising Snake would definitely be cruising when they when he gets like yeah when he gets yeah. found when they come to him and they're like yeah. we we stick you with the serum yeah. Uh, I will for one yeah. last recommendation. I would say Michelangelo, you made a, a fun twofer watch between watching Cruising and Pumping Iron. Uh, I'll offer this: uh, do a double feature of watching Cruising and the ooh, I think it's 1983 Canadian film Siege that Michelangelo yes! and I also watched yes! together. Yeah, which is which is about a group and of act- uh, way more progressive of a film. <laughs> yeah, actually, way more progressive of a way film. more. We're definitely talking siege one night. Yeah, um, we have to talk one. about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a progressive film with a clear message. That's that's actually a very good point. But I just funny enough when I was watching it again, it made me it reminded me of that film. You watch but, it again too. I watch I watched it again too yeah. by myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, siege is a 1983 Canadian film about a group that terrorizes. I, ta- a- I, I talked about it on a previous episode. Yeah. Oh, did you really? Um, Yes, we talked about yes. yeah. Oh, I yeah. just missed that one. Yeah. Do you remember what episode, Mickey, for the listener? I can't remember. I'm sorry. It was um, a Marika episode, so it would have been. It was, was it the Halloween playlist, maybe? Or I'm, the I, Let's not let's not spend time on this because I okay, don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, anyways. But anyway, okay, watch. Good watch okay. Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Um. Do you love a police academy? Do you love Wait, which one? SCTV? <laughs> the first one or the second oh, okay. one? Is it the second one? Is it the no, second one? No. The the bars in like I think all of them. <laughs> I, I think on all of them, but like I think is it like the first one? It's it's mentioned and they go to it, but we don't see the inside until the second one. I anyways. I don't um, know. I can yeah. Anyways, uh, is Karen Allen's uh, filmography? Is this a blind spot for you? You gotta check this out. Um, <laughs> Love Karen Allen. She is wonderful in this, despite having not much to do. Um, Richard Gear. Do you like Richard Gear? Oh. Imagine him in this part because he was originally supposed to play this part. It's interesting. Oof. I want to. I want to see the. Oh the, yeah, the, right. And, and, and in He'd the multi, steamy in that part. In the multiverse of things, it's like. Richard Gere is in Cruising and Al Pacino is in Pretty Woman. Oh my you know God. what I mean? Because yeah. Pacino turned like down you. Pretty Woman. Like, like, that would not work with Pacino. I'm sorry. I love no. Pacino. I was, you know. Um, I think, like, obviously, uh, echoing a lot of what you guys are saying, if you're a Pacino um, completist, you have to see this. This is, this is in a, this is in his 70s Pacino. He was doing so many, I think even his fails are worth watching. Um, uh, and it's, it's, I was listening to Christopher Nolan talk about working with Pacino and he has a very different take than freaking had where it's like, you know, Pacino does these big, you know, he's known for like going really up high and down low and doing 50 takes and Nolan sees it as a net positive because he's like, what Pacino knows is that uh, 
this is this is the film is made in the editing bay and what he's doing is he's giving me a multitude of options to edit into like what i ultimately want out of a scene right and nolan is like a masterful filmmaker who can like contextualize like these crazy storyboards and ideas uh but it doesn't work for somebody like freaking and also at that point you know Pacino's like a veteran when he's working with Nolan. Anyways, I just this is this is a movie you, I I I I love the idea of recommending this to someone who knows absolutely nothing about it and is not prepared for this at all and being like, "Yeah, you should definitely check this out. This is fun. Do you like Pacino? Yeah, check it. Like, oh, you like mobster movies? Check out Cruising. You like cop movies? Check out Cruising and then seeing their reaction <laughs> and eventual canceled membership to our video store. Is it like uh, is it like the Cruising VHS like in a leather jacket wrapped up and covered in blood and put in the <laughs> return slot? Uh, we only keep we keep this and there's a sub basement to the basement. It's a special club. That's basically how we're able to make our money. It's actually underneath the porn section. Where we, yeah, it's where uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, uh, that's where we keep uh, mm-hmm. all of our versions of cruising. Yeah, got you better VHSs. have some cop vibes. You better have some cop vibes when you show up. Or we got getting kicked out. We got the deluxe collector's edition that was released in 2007 and 2018 mm-hmm. by Warner Brothers Home Video, with all of the commentary and um, uh, the um, uh, documentaries, the bonus mm-hmm. materials on it, uh, uh, which is. The History of Cruising and Exercising Cruising, which I highly recommend you check out. They're very interesting. And also the Blu-ray restored print from Arrow from 2019. And also you will find one single copy of 2013's Interior Leather Bar by James Franco. James Franco. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Um, and you'll find one one little... uh, Little arcade game called Cruising USA uh, <laughs> that Very we retrofitted to, yeah. to fit the uh, movie. That was a racing game, right? Yeah, it's a racing Cruising <laughs> USA. It's like this movie is a race to find out who the killer is. Who the yeah. killer is. <laughs> it would be so great if someone did that. They made a Cruising the video game, a 1980s NES. <laughs> a lot of people oh, do that. Mickey, you'll appreciate this. Um, okay. There is an uncredited actress in this who is in a Friday the 13th film, and she is, I have a crush on her. Uh, Part three, there is the girl that the sleazy guy hits her ass. He's got the close-up of her ass. He hits Mm -hmm. it. He hits it with a a slingshot. She ends up getting killed when she goes skinny dipping. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. She is an uncredited, uh, like... A jog. She was in this, essentially. Okay. In this. Oh, yeah. I know. I saw her jog. Actually, yes, I know her jog. It's he's getting out of the car and she's jogging by as Pacino gets out of the car to go to the um uh, his uh apartment. It's when he first gets that apartment. And you I gotta go back and watch. I was trying to Man, look out for it this oh, time and I missed it. She stands out. She stands out. I'm, Does she have I the am, short shorts on? Oh, Let's she looks very, very. We gotta get the, no, she's, We gotta get straight up in here. Well, on, no, tonight. no, no. I'm, well, all I'm saying is that she's very attractive. She steals that scene. And um, I actually, and, and I did have some familiarity, so I'm, I'm sure that, yeah, there you go. She, I mean, she's, she's a stunner. Um, mm-hmm. 
Wow. Thank you, listener. If you've listened to all yeah. of this rambling, three straight men talking about this uh, <laughs> film directed and starring straight men. I don't straight think, men. was there one homosexual involved in the, uh, other than the uh, men in the club? And, and uh, I mean, like behind the scenes, like in a, a, a way that was shaping the story. I don't think this was touched <laughs> by anyone who understood anything about that culture yeah. at all agreed um uh although freaking did direct the uh, uh version of um the boys in the band yeah yeah uh which was recently Very remade well on netflix yeah we oh. did mickey uh we did scenes um in acting school from that from that play mm-hmm. um looking back we should have done something from cruising though we should have done something <laughs> from cruising just yeah. from the interior yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, no dialogue. Yeah, I don't Easy like guy. dialogue. We yeah, shouldn't have done. Remember, we shouldn't have done dogma. Boring. We should have done cruising. Yeah, we did do dogma. That was fun. We did do a scene from dogma. <laughs> Anyways, so thank you, listeners, so much for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, uh, Mickey. Uh, uh, not only are you uh, hosting this uh, and running the video store with me, but you you're the editor um, and uh, uh, the backbone of this uh thank you molly oh, yeah. thank you ali um check us out on youtube it's coming sure. you can if you subscribe now uh you'll be notified once videos start start mm-hmm. uh showing up yep and um, to our partners red tower entertainment thank you for helping us get onto youtube and they got some cool things going on as well they got a lot of original short horror films you can check out as well as a spooktacular film festival uh if you want to submit to it check it out you can uh submit via film freeway and uh filmfreeway.com backslash red tower and fangoria we're not sponsored by you but if you listen this far uh enter uh code red tower on the fangoria website and you get 20 percent off an entire order you could literally order a year subscription to fangoria and get 20 percent off a fifth off of something you already fucking want fangoria is awesome grew up with them love them so much i'm using my 20 percent uh very happy about that very happy to have them be any part of this show that's awesome so yeah and and youtube should be a way for you the listener to be more interactive mm-hmm. with this which i know you want you know you want it you want to see us you want to be see like us Chris. in the flesh go from a fan to a co-host Fly into the pyramid scheme <laughs> all hail the red tower all hail the it's just- fangoria <laughs> We got some animations coming out. I want to say a quick thank you real quick to Studio Negative Kitty for the animations they're doing for our show. You'll see those in March when we uh, launch the YouTube channel. Again, subscribe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, rate and awesome. review us. Follow us on Instagram. Where can they follow us? You can follow us on Instagram at the return slot underscore of horror pod. You can follow us on YouTube at the return slot of horror pod cast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what our YouTube is. No, actually. you got it. You got it. Just edit, you edit, it, edit the it gap. All. I got it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna say all, all right. the words. The return slot of horror podcast. I'll make it work. All right. And uh, thank you, Al Pacino. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day to all of those Happy out there. Valentine's Day, Al Pacino. Hey, yeah. Happy Valentine's yeah. Day, you we guys. Happy Valentine's Day. We hope you find the love that Al Pacino found with um. 
Ted? Karen Allen. <laughs> Karen Allen. Ted. That's it. Yeah. Ted. Sure. <laughs> Ted. Because when you love someone, you stab them to death and leave them in a pose <laughs> reminiscent of a Davy Bo- David Bowie uh, album cover. Yes. What they say. That's what they say. That's what they say. So, okay. Let's uh, let's take off these leathers and get comfortable now. <laughs> you did at the beginning. Shut up, Chris. You've been standing in front of the door the, magic, the whole time. The magic of the magic of it. <laughs>